0: Hello, hello, Neil. We are here for another exciting episode of
1: Made You Think. Yeah, and this time is a uh, a recap episode. And if you recall the last one, you know that it requires alcohol. It does. <laughs> you can't have a dry recap episode. No. It
0: just wouldn't be the same. It's a rule. That ended up being one of our most popular episodes. Really? Yeah, yeah
1: I guess because um, I actually don't want to speculate on why. Maybe <laughs> you guys could tell us why you like the recap episode so much, but people really seem to like it. One thing I heard was that for people who are newer to the
0: show, it was a really good way to get caught up on some of the old episodes, decide which ones to go listen to, and we also just had fun doing it. And it had been another 20 episodes or so. Yeah. So it seemed like a good time.
1: Last time we were on the clock, are we going to add a clock on this one? Oh, yeah. We sh- I think we should. Five minutes. and Give uh, give ourselves pressure. Otherwise, we'll get stuck on Jordan Peterson for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 25 minutes. Well, okay. So
0: you, you've got a hard <laughs> stop in just over two hours, right? Uh, yeah. Like about seven. All right. So we've got two hours to get through 20. 20 books. Because episode twenty or I guess twenty-one or twenty-one episodes. Some of them were books. Yeah. Some more articles. Mm-hmm. Articles, speeches, an album. Five minutes. If we did five minutes, I think if I guess. we do five minutes, yeah, yeah. Five, five times twenty-one, that's only gonna be hundred minutes. That gives us some wiggle room. Yeah. Plus, we want to do a rapid fire recap of the first 20 episodes yes. <laughs> before we dig into the new ones. So I think we should probably just jump right into it. But before we do. Uh, Those of you who are new here or who are returning, this episode is now entirely sponsored by Patreon. Well, okay, not sponsored by Patreon, (laughs) but supported by Patreon. That would be cool. cool. That would be great if they did. (laughs) So if you want to head over to patreon.com slash made you think all one word. Uh, You can see what lovely bonuses you get for supporting the show. We've taken a lot of the stuff that we've been meaning to do in email newsletters, and we've put it there. We just think this is the best way for this show to keep existing in the way that we want it to without barraging all of you with annoying pre-roll, mid-roll, post-roll ads. One caveat with that is that we are still going to goof around and share our friends' products that we are actually using during the show. We are not drinking mushroom coffee or anything right now. We've just poured some lovely Malbec that Neil brought us. So we'll be drinking that and episode should get real interesting around, you know, the 35th episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but any other notes before we, we dive into this wonderful recap? What are the rules for the first 20 rapid fire ones? Oh, yeah. I think one sentence, we take turns. Okay. And we didn't rehearse those sentences at all. So these no. are going to be very top of head. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe... We should do a one-sentence reason why someone should go listen to that episode.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So starting it all off with episode number one, Antifragile by Nassim Taleb. This has to be one
1: one sentence? sentence One-sentence reason.
0: Go. Uh,
1: Barbells. Barbell strategy. Barbell strategy? Well, okay, but they don't know what that is. This is where it gets tricky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, assume somebody hasn't read the book. It's got to be a sentence that still gives them a sense of what the book is about. Yeah, or like maybe the value. Aim to be anti-fragile, which is resist, uh, not resistant, that's robust, Mm. that where you benefit from disorder, chaos, and
0: randomness. Yeah, something like learning how to take advantage of chaos in in the world. And at at the very worst, make yourself robust to those things. Yeah, okay. Yeah. it's good all right this is, so this is hard this, this is really hard Yeah, <laughs> we, could, we could do a whole episode just doing this uh okay episode two letters from a stoic by seneca i think the one sentence for recommending this would be acquire a new mental model and philosophy for handling stress difficulties and challenges in your
1: life i would say this is what makes you robust to the things yeah. we just talked about in anti-fragile very similar to anti-fragile stuff well yeah it's more um I view this as more prescriptive in a lot of ways. And, and obviously, Taleb is influenced by Seneca a lot. So, yeah, there's a reason why they feel there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Connected. All right. Book three, Mastery by Robert Greene. Put yourself on the path to mastery by following a bunch of steps, which you'll have to listen to the episode to find out what those steps are. Probably one of our most prescriptive episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most like linear, I feel like, of all of them. Exactly. Yeah. Very clear step by
0: step. Follow this. Almost like a how to. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, the Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell learn how mythology through religion and stories influences all of our lives and why we should take it more seriously mm-hmm.
1: mine was pretty similar but I was gonna say how um this is the episode that'll make you take religion seriously if you're if you don't already take it seriously yeah, that's a great way of putting it which I, I definitely didn't really before reading this yeah agreed so uh, the sovereign individual so
0: this one um, the internet is destroying all the existing social structures and changing how
1: the whole world is governed, basically.
0: Yeah. Maybe rethink the permanence of nation states and what your future living in a technologically dominated society might look like. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe just as a very quick side note on that one, that episode is so good that one of the top reviews for the book on Amazon <laughs> is to listen to our episode instead of reading the book. Yeah. You just <laughs> still read the book, yeah. but it's a very good episode. So check it out. As told by a random reviewer on Amazon, but we appreciate you. We didn't write that review. Just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> Although that might be our new growth hack for the podcast. Just go on all the books we cover, write reviews, saying uh, just listen to the Made You Think episode and then go on like MTurk and pay people to upvote
1: the reviews as being useful that would be a little shady, but it might work. And if the podcast starts blowing up, <laughs> do not go look at the reviews and yeah. see how we did it. <laughs> Jeff Bezos like DDoS <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> All right. Okay. Number
0: six in praise of Idleness by Bertrand Russell. One of our least popular episodes. Yeah. I still like I like it. I still have a soft spot in my heart for that. Essay. I know but, it's underrated. No, it's one of it those is. that
1: people are going to discover in 20 years and they're going to really appreciate it. Yeah. are. It's, it's ahead of its time. It is. But basically uh,
0: stop working so hard. And reasons that you should consider working less hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Crash course in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and cryptocurrency. This was a fun one with our friends was Taylor Pearson
1: and Adil Majid.
0: Yeah. First episode that we had some guests on for. This is exactly what it sounds like. Yep. And it's fun looking at that episode now because we recorded it back in October, I want to say, 2017. Right before the start of the roller coaster. Right before the start <laughs> of the roller coaster. So in, you know, the two months after that, like Ethereum and Bitcoin and a bunch of, I mean, tons of stuff went up, multiples yeah. of its value. And, you know, people made a ton of money and then lost most of it yeah. within like a three-month period, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so-
1: it became very mainstream for a while. Yeah, the episode has aged really well. I yeah, think. well, we focused on principles. Exactly. We were really focused on, like, what is the technology, what the, what is the difference between all these currencies and... I would say it's still relevant. I mean, we didn't really talk about the like hyped parts so much. It was more like the underlying technology
0: and value. The tech and why you should care. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman.
1: Don't watch the news. Yeah. Don't watch the news.
0: (laughs) Read books. Even educational programs like Sesame Street are bad for you. And get back to reading books, capturing your attention and listening to Made You Think. Yep. He actually (laughs) said that in the book. It was pretty cool (laughs) considering it was written in the 80s. Pretty amazing. (laughs) Uh, Finite and Infinite Games by James P. Kars. This is what I think about a lot for whatever reason. Yeah, I think about this one a lot, too. I actually quoted it in my uh,
1: newsletter on Monday. It keeps keeps just like coming back in my life. It's so relevant, though. I feel like it's one of those where uh, it's a paradigm shifting book, I would say, in terms of your mindset. So there's certain books that just like Antifragile is definitely one of them. And so is Seneca, I would say. But there's okay. definitely certain books that once you read them, you like can't look at the world the same, and you just see them pop up everywhere. This is one of them, definitely.
0: And I'd say that the main thing that you take away from it is looking at the world as a series of games, and looking at your perception and behavior within those games, as well as other people's, as either bound by artificial finite constructs or recognizing the infinite possibilities of. Action and play. Yeah. Which sounds very opaque as it's coming out of my mouth to anyone who hasn't read the book. (laughs) Go listen to the episode or or, and the book's not long either. You can definitely read the book. No, short book. So yeah, check out the episode, check out the book. Way of Zen by
1: Alan Watts.
0: Surprisingly one of our most popular episodes.
1: I did not expect that. I think there's a lot of curiosity about Buddhism. Yeah. And we have talked about other religions and stuff. So, well, other religious episodes.
0: And there's a lot of woo-woo, oh my god, meditation's the new wonder drug stuff out (laughs) there. And I think
1: that we did a good job of sort of exploring some of the roots of that in this episode. Yeah. And how that's a little misleading because the Zen practitioners didn't really do what we call meditation. Right. The Zazen, sitting meditation, wasn't much a thing. It was more active meditation. Right.
0: Which involves doing something. Yeah something where you lose yourself in the task but walking or painting or archery yep. yeah yeah um, tea ceremony tea ceremonies so that was a great one um emergency by neil strauss i thought this one would get a lot more elicit. i was surprised this one didn't do better we used a very clickbaity title yeah exactly this podcast
1: will save your life but oh well i guess you guys are too, too smart for clickbait yeah everyone's just you know <laughs> hiding under the rock doesn't want to uh doesn't want to protect themselves from imminent doom that's another one i think about a lot and I took some of the steps that we talked about. I did not take nearly enough of them. Yeah. But I, I do know for a fact at least one person we have influenced. Really? Who has taken a lot of, yeah, Tony. Oh, yeah. He's actually taken a couple courses and like, he's definitely the most prepared of all of us now. Nice. If, if something ever happened in New York, I would definitely go to Tony. <laughs> go to Tony. <laughs> Shout out to Tony. Shout out to Tony. Um, but yeah, it, this is a, the main takeaway of here from this is um, well, there's a couple main takeaways. That's the hard part. But, like, the structure of society that we live in could break down, and then there are steps you can take to protect yourself, whether you need to leave where you are or stay in. So, bug in versus bug out. Yeah. Then there's a the whole foreign passport stuff. We'll let you listen to the episode for that. Yeah, there's a lot, but check it out. <laughs> uh
0: Godel Escher Bach. Ooh. Yeah. Strange loops. Probably, I'd say, like, top three of my favorite books we've done. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that this episode did so well, because I didn't think it would have as much mass appeal. Yeah. But I mean, we do have extremely intelligent and good-looking listeners, so that helps. A face made for radio. Yeah. That's, that's-, <laughs> <laughs> that's us. <laughs> that's us. I was saying yeah. the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so goethe is basically about the interweaving of music, art, computer science, mathematics, and how there are these... Essentially patterns in each of these areas that hint at the meaning of intelligence and why it might create issues for either understanding our own intelligence or developing an artificial intelligence. Yeah.
1: That was a really good job of summarizing it. I still have a lot of trouble trying to summarize that book. I can't describe it to people when they ask, like, oh, what? Like, what's so good about the book when I recommend it? Yeah. Nobody has <laughs> so much trouble explaining. I'm just like, it's about everything. Yeah. Whenever somebody asks me to explain it,
0: I, I like, ramble for five minutes and real, and they're just, like, glossed over. They just have no idea what's going on anymore. And I don't have any idea what's going on. <laughs> Do you ever get yourself in strange loops when you talk about this book? Kind of. Yeah. I just get lost. Yeah. But then all of that is wrapped in a wonderful narrative style of storytelling, funny, creative. Yeah. The whole book is like a self-referential joke in its yeah. own way, too. It's it's amazing. It's got you just, dialogue. Yeah, dialogue, stories. Beautiful paintings yep. throughout. It's really good, so check that. It's a journey. I mean, it's a long book, but it, it, is. Is, it is like I think we gave ourselves two months. For we it. did, yeah. yeah.
1: And you kind of remember reading that book as almost like taking a journey of some sort. I don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah, it takes your brain all sorts of places. If you like to think, this is a good. Book. It makes you think. Yeah. <laughs> all right. uh How to think like Elon
0: Musk? This was our first article episode. Yep. Breaking down the cooking the chef by Wait But Why, uh, Tim Urban, and Basically, it is about learning how to recognize when you are and when you should be thinking independently versus merely copying the routines and ideas of others, reasoning from first principles as a strategy for life. That's the biggest takeaway I got
1: from that. So, Don't be a flood geologist. Yeah.
0: One of our longest episodes too, Yeah, which has become a common pattern for us where the super long books aren't very long episodes. Right. <laughs> and then the, the short articles become, you know, two and a half hour long sagas. Uh, that happens again later on. But I wonder why. No. Yeah. The Goal by Eliyahu Goldratt, another book that kind of just makes you think a little bit differently after yeah. you read it, the whole theory of constraints, right? That most business growth and success can be attributed to this fairly simple idea of
1: identifying a bottleneck and what your bottlenecks are solving that resolving it moving on to the next one yeah it's it cha- it's another interesting like in a in a more narrow sense it's a paradigm shifting book because once you start looking at your own business or any business through this this lens it sort of i mean i don't know it makes problem solving a lot easier yeah at least i feel it does well, and it applies to personal life, too. Right. Right. Whatever your
0: bottleneck is. Which is the yeah. funny thing in the book, because to be clear, Goldrath's not like that good of a fiction writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's very, Definitely. it's very campy. And so he's got this, you know, stereotypical, <laughs> like contrasty relationship with his wife. But then like the theory of constraints saves their marriage. Yeah. Right. So anyway, check it out. It's a great episode. Great book. The other thing I remember from this book is Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We'll leave you with that. Go You're find out who find Herbie it. is. Go find out who Herbie is. <laughs>
1: Uh, principles by Ray Dalio. Yep. Wonderful book. In a weird way, though, now that we're summarizing that in the context of all these other ones, I think it, it just encompasses a lot of principles that are in other episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Like First Principles, I think he talks about like seeing reality for what it is. Kind yeah. of. It could almost be a spark notes for a lot of yeah. the other books we covered. Which it, probably he has read a lot of these which he mentioned joseph campbell in the yeah, book and he mentions campbell he mentions yeah. stoic philosophy yeah so i wonder if it's just he's had a lot of the same influences of the books that we've covered yeah which is why it felt it was really enjoyable to read but it was uh i didn't feel like i got like anything different out of this one as opposed to the other ones yeah that's fair like there's a lot of tactical business advice which <laughs> is really good but from a um, paradigm shifting standpoint, there wasn't as much. Yeah. yeah. Rude. Also, we'd read it before, or at least not. we had read the white paper before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, that always makes a difference. That affected it. Inner Game of
0: Tennis by Timothy Galway, very much about really like learning how to get out of your own way to yeah. perform better in any area, whether that's tennis or work or other sports, just letting go of that judging persona so yeah. that the active, performing persona can shine through.
1: Yeah, and get yourself. That can help you get into flow. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, Psychology of Human Misjudgments by Charlie Munger. Great guide to better decision-making, cognitive biases, all of that. Really, I've I've always enjoyed this essay. It's a very long essay. but
1: I think about these all the time, actually. Like, whenever... If something I'm saying doesn't seem to make sense to some part of my brain, I'm like, what am I falling into right now? Mm -hmm. Narrative fallacy a lot of times, or sunk cost fallacy, or there's just so many things that he does bring up. Human misjudgments, basically. Just a great summary of all the different ways we screw up how we think. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Everything in its place by Dan Charnas. Ooh, okay. So this one, it's hard to summarize. There's so many good things I got out of this one, but I would say, I'd say one is that, I start preparing for the day differently after reading this book. So it's like, I tried doing the note card thing. I'm not good at doing the note card thing, but Mm -hmm. it's more of like keeping my workspace organized and less physical workspace. Weirdly, it's affected how I use my computer more than anything else. So I used to be like a 20 tab open type of person. Yeah. And now I like I do a lot better job since reading this and doing this episode of if I'm writing, I just don't have any other tabs open. If I'm doing email, I just have the email tab open and keep everything else closed. So... Or, and, you know, if you're writing, if you need to look something up, okay, okay, I'll like look it up, but I don't have like 20 tabs open because, oh, I might read that article someday and I might lose that paper somewhere. You know, I just like try to keep things clean. Yeah. Now, and I do, I do find that lets me not get as distracted. So it's all about how chefs can teach you
0: productivity basically yeah. so that's one of the big lessons in it and you should go listen to the episode to get the
1: other lessons no there's just so many although weirdly in the episode we only covered a few because we did that with the author yeah we went so deep on that one yeah so you got to read the book as well you got to read the book definitely yeah. you got to read the. Oh yeah it's true that's
0: the only one that we've done so far where we had the author on with us yeah so that was fun as well yeah we'll do that again at some point we'll do that again uh denial of death by ernest becker this one came really highly recommended it's basically about how most of our lives are driven by our fear of our own mortality. Yeah, and we're building pyramids. Yeah, we're building these pyramids to try to live beyond our, you know, current lives. And you can view much of human action and desires through that lens. Yeah, definitely. And then influenced by Robert Cialdini was... It's kind of like the classic marketing book. Yeah. The What is it? Six... Yeah, the six ways to make people do what you want. The different tactics. The different tactics to... Convince people, influence people, make your marketing more effective, uh, good for personal life and business life. It's useful as an individual as well to both, you know, take advantage of it for personal gain and fun or to defend yourself against it. Right. It's the other big benefit. And I
1: remember with this one, he fell into some of the same traps. Exactly. (laughs) He talks
0: about it a lot.
1: (laughs) Or even like on the back of the book right right remember it was like something about uh if you get people to like there was something about like using authority exactly the signaling from authorities
0: right by getting big names to endorse the book yeah yeah (laughs) that was pretty funny you definitely fell into that but it could have been his publisher oh yeah i'm sure and then episode 21 was the last recap the last recap where uh nat was very hungover but (laughs) pulled it together to drink spiked irish coffees with neil and we recapped the episodes we just covered in much
1: more depth yeah good times And I think we were going to do this one hungover the other day, but then we mutually decided. That was just a a terrible (laughs) idea. (laughs) It was like, do you want to
0: do it today? (laughs) Do you want to do it today? (laughs) Let's do it Tuesday.
1: (laughs) I'm sure once we started drinking, it would have been okay. Yeah, but But I don't know if... We weren't about as high quality as we are.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Drinking at nine in the morning on a Sunday is not our (laughs) best life, I think. (laughs) Definitely not. All right. So with that, I think we can dive into... The latest set of 20 episodes, I'm going to do four minutes and 30 seconds on the clock. Smart. Because I know we will go over. (laughs) Especially for some of them. And if we do it too much, we will run out of time. So I think we just dive right in with episode 22, Revolt of the Masses. We don't talk about this one as much as some of the other ones. I don't know why. I really like
1: this book. Yeah. It's a great book. And I find it somewhat related to some of the others, too. Yeah. And it was well-written. It wasn't long, like overly long, at least wasn't Atlas Shrugged. No. <laughs> um Yeah, but we, it just hasn't come up, actually, since we did the episode.
0: Yeah. I guess there's honestly, there's nothing in it that's that paradigm shifting. Right. Right. It's a good book, and it presents interesting ideas about the stratification of society and how that can eventually lead to the masses being like, enough is enough. We're going to, you know, overthrow the
1: elites it was weirdly related to skin in the game now that i'm thinking about it Mm. not not to the concept of skin in the game but a lot of the things that taleb talks about like what so like i know taleb what obviously taleb rails against like rent seeking and sort of like the bureaucrat layer right that came up in this book as well it's a good point this is a relatively libertarian book yeah and it was written in what, the early 1900s? Yeah, something like, I think it was in between the
0: First and Second World War. Because he yeah. meant, he references the Great War. Right, which at that time was World War One, Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of our less paradigm-shifting episodes. But it's still interesting on a conceptual level to think about how similar societal things were going on exactly. in Spain at that period as seemed to be going on now in the U.S. Right. It was like 100
1: years, pretty much exactly 100 years. Yeah,
0: and it felt like his observations carried over to the modern day in certain ways where you read it and you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of going on now. Right. And that, that was, I think, what made it kind of timely and yeah. interesting for us to cover. How did it come up? Was it a recommendation? To do that one, or I had read it in high school. Okay. And just remembered really enjoying it. Yeah. But, and had wanted to reread it at some point. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, let's just toss it in the queue. Oh, and you know what? I rec, let's see, I referenced it in, oh gosh. Amusing ourselves to death. I referenced it in some early episode. Sovereign individual. Oh, maybe it was sovereign individual, and it got on our list from there. So back in the day when we had like ten books in a row find yeah. out, now we're down to you know like four or five.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and also we, they were all books early on. And that's yeah, true. In the show, because <laughs> as you guys have realized, we can't read an Atlas Shrugged size book every week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we do have other jobs too.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Although, if you'd like us to read an Atlas Shrugged size
0: book every week, you can support us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> And help us make this our full time. Help us make it. Yeah. <laughs> if you work for Unlimited Brewing or Growth yeah. Machine, please disregard that last statement.
1: <laughs> no, but I, I don't think we'll ever be at the point where we could no. read Alice
0: Drugged each week. I don't think so. That would be an adventure unless someone
1: could somehow like make the day stretch to thirty six hours or something. <laughs> we're not. We're not going to start
0: reading like Blinkist. Yeah. notes it's for the books. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would
1: be bad. Although I wonder what the overlap is of people who listen to our episodes and subscribe or use Blinkist. Use
0: Blinkist, yeah. That's a good question.
1: If you use Blinkist, let us know. I'm just curious. I'm fairly anti Blinkist. So am I. Yeah. But people can do whatever they want, I guess. Yeah, hey. How are you?
0: it's it, they're an anti-sponsor i think i mainly don't like yeah that. Read, read a book a day or like
1: read, read three books a day or whatever are they the one they're not the ones that do like the uh the average ceo reads. no no that's mentor box okay yeah. that one pisses me off the most that I'm like so you straight stupid. up say they read
0: these yeah. books so and it's like how are you going to keep up right it's like, first off, you know, that it's not the reason that they are doing better than you in exactly. life, right? Like, the main yeah. reason they're doing better than you in life is probably partially that they don't fall for stupid ads <laughs> like that. <laughs> and second of all, actually read the damn book. Yeah, you read the books. Like, you're not going to become Tim Cook reading, you know, a 30-second summary of <laughs> The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, right? right? Like, yeah. It's not exactly how it works. So. so yeah, for all these books, we recommend you actually go read them. Yeah, actually go read them. And we we try to only do books that need to be read. Yeah. Because there are a lot of books that you can just read the summary and you'll be totally yeah. fine. Like most business books. Well, those are right? the
1: books that we say are like blog posts turned into a book.
0: Somebody wrote a good blog post or gave a good speech and then somebody gave them a book deal for it and they didn't have that much else to add. So they just added in stories and examples and they're like, all right, good enough. Yeah. So looking at you, lean startup. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a blog post originally? I don't know. But that book is just like one of the most egregious examples of a very simple, small
1: idea. I can't believe how well it's sold. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's like a meme, right? Yeah. It's also easy. I've realized it's also easy to talk about. Yeah. Like it's very easy for someone to be like, oh, you should go read The Lean Startup. It just rolls off people's tongues. And it sounds like a book that makes you... Learn how startups work. Exactly. Sounds (laughs) like it'll be useful. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, this is how I can save money. And like, we're running my startup. And also, who can be against like lean? Like, oh, you don't want your business to be lean? Like, oh, you don't want to save money? Yeah. You You want to be bloated and inefficient and fat? Oh, you want to be like GE, (laughs) right? (laughs) Even GE probably reads the lean startup. Yeah. They
0: probably read it. uh, Yeah. Integrating lean and agile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Buzzword, buzzword, hiresome. Well, it's also
1: just nobody wants like what. The opposite of lean is fat. Yeah. Right. So nobody wants to be like, well, we're the fat company. Fat company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if you are the fat company, you're going to be like, we're introducing
0: lean concepts. Yeah. We bought a copy of Lean
1: Startup for all of our employees. <laughs> and uh, that's a good start. That's a good strategy for writing a book for somebody. A book that like makes people in big companies feel like they have to buy for their employees. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Eric Reese. Good job, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh,
0: Darwin's Dangerous Idea by Daniel Dennett. Way too many D's in the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, but what was, I mean, this book was interesting primarily because it presents the idea that if evolution is, you know, a robust theory, which it seems to be, yeah. then there really is no meaning to life, right? We are no different
1: from any other animal. Yeah, there's no cosmic, like. Yeah, no uh, like cosmic significance. We're just here. Or it could all have cosmic significance. That's the opposite. It's either zero or, or all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, it basically, I think it also, um, well, actually, before we go there, the thing it introduced to me, which is one of my favorite theories of all time, aquatic apes. Aquatic apes. <laughs> that was my favorite thing from this book. I'm sure Denna would hate it. That, that is like the main <laughs> yeah. thing we latched onto from his book.
0: Yep. But it's probably come up the most. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to learn about aquatic apes, you got to go listen to the episode
1: we gave it. It's a great theory. You got to check it's it out. It's a great out. theory but a lot of people don't like it but whatever
0: <laughs> but that idea just the whole the the whole concept that evolution basically makes life inherently meaningless is a tough one to wrestle with and also one that i think most people who believe in evolution do not intuitively accept right away mm. which is why the book is valuable is that it does present that progression in a very logical way yeah very logical way and it's like look we're just the next step in this whole you know global process we're not any special just because we're you know we're on this one particular branch that has very high intelligence in certain areas that lead to technology right like it doesn't make us special right we're still cells and- yeah we're still just a collection of cells and biology we have to obey all the same rules as all the other animals in the animal kingdom and Yeah, like all this mythology around humans as being special is like kind of obviously bunk if you believe in evolution. Yeah, And if you do believe that mythology has some backing to it, then you can't believe in evolution truly. Yeah. You must believe in something else, right? Yeah, it's
1: hard to reconcile because I do think he maybe like he's obviously trying to make a point. Yeah. And like, I totally agree with him that like, okay, on one level, humans are just, we're just cells, right? Like that's totally true. And then on, on another level though, it's very interesting to like, It makes me think that like all of it is significant as opposed to none Mm. that like maybe other animals also have stories and like things just in a different way than we do. Right. Like obviously dogs are not sitting around like a campfire telling like, you know, 20,000 line poems (laughs) to each other. Yeah. (laughs) But it makes me think that, okay, if we are just the next line, you know, next line in this or next step in this evolutionary line, then what do other animals do that is sort of like similar in behavior, Mm. but just not as far advanced maybe right well there's like superstitious behavior in animals yeah which is pretty cool right. which just like i don't know it made me think about that a lot more of i think especially i think we've came up in a different episode about eating meat right is like the ethics of it like yeah we were saying like um i think you brought up this example of the person who was vegan on your dad's facebook page or something like right right <laughs> yeah but i was i was thinking more uh along the lines of consciousness right is like are all animals conscious at some level and what's the cutoff right like yeah. how is it like it's obviously not ethical to like eat a human so then where's like the cutoff right maybe it is ethical to eat a human maybe right well, yeah maybe. i don't see what's so
0: wrong with that or like you yeah. had to kill humans <laughs> right to eat them i mean unless they're like really shitty humans then like, <laughs> it's like you know you got all these starving people right in africa and then you've got somebody in the u.s like making bombs right and blowing up schools <laughs> it's Like, you know feed the people in africa it's, it's like that hard Sorry, that's <laughs> like really bad. we're We're trying to use an anti-fragile tactic here. We were talking before the episode that we don't get enough like hate mail for saying controversial <laughs> things in our episodes. So we're trying to like step it up. We're a trying to bit. see if
1: people are actually listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if if you've made it this far and you're horribly offended by the idea of chopping up uh, criminals to feed, you know, people who are going to starve to death otherwise, yeah. right? Like we're, we're not talking about like slipping it into people's food to no. trick them. We're not like, not like a the jungle or <laughs> any of that. We're saying like these people are going to die if they don't get food, right? It's a really good philosophical question, actually. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, you got these people on death row, you're going to waste their bodies anyway. Just It's actually a really
1: interesting philosophical question. I don't know. Tell us what you think. Next episode, should we eat humans? Yeah. I wonder if there's a good book for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> this is already off to a good start. Uh, we're already
0: on. We're only on like our first like half glass. Yeah, we haven't even had like a first glass of wine. <laughs> here we go. All right. Uh, what Everybody is Saying by Joe Navarro. This is great just for the illustrations. This is a <laughs> hilarious book to read through. And you know, one sec, Pepper is destroying this cable. <laughs> for those of you wondering, we pause probably like three times as many times for Pepper as you actually Pepper. hear about. She's <laughs> being extra difficult today. Anyway, uh yes. She had some mushroom coffee or something. Yeah, she had something. Mushroom <laughs> coffee, a little keto nut butter, yes, yeah. <laughs> just ready to go. But yeah, I mean this is the best book on deciphering body language. Yeah. I will say it's kind of boring for a lot of it. It's very much like a guy, like it's like a, it's like a
1: textbook. It's a textbook.
0: Yeah, it's very textbooky where it's just like, you know, here's how to analyze someone's facial expressions, analyze their hands, their torso, their legs, you know, looking for pacifying behaviors, all of that, right? It's a lot of just sort of repetitive structure in that sense, but. But it's really useful. Yeah, it's very useful, it's very interesting. And you start seeing it once you like go through the book. Yeah, once you read the book, you notice it
1: everywhere. You'll be sitting in a coffee shop. And with yourself too. With yourself, that's the other big one. The one I noticed I do in like stressful meetings Mm -hmm. is I'll wrap my legs around the chair, which he talks about in the book. That's a pacifying behavior. Yeah. that's like It's like kind of like clinging to something. Right. And then I noticed one recently after reading the book where I
0: was in a sales meeting and the guy I was talking to was like a fairly intimidating, like big guy. And he did that thing where he just kind of stares at you while you give a response to questions with no facial expressions. Okay. Which is kind of freaky. Yeah. Especially if you're pitching them on something and you've, I'm like, I'm trying to be enthusiastic and getting nothing out of him. And so I noticed that I started kind of like leaning my torso towards the door. Mm, Like you want to leave. Yeah, exactly. And then eventually I noticed I was like 30 degrees (sighs) bent over, like really leaning towards the door. And then I was like, ah what everybody is saying. Yeah. I should probably <laughs> not do that because it looks like I want to get the fuck out of here right now, Yep. which on some level I do because <laughs> this human is terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of fun is that you notice those things in yourself and other people. It's funny, uh, like going to coffee shops or restaurants and looking at people on dates, you know, yeah. And you can see what they're doing with their hands, their legs, or yep. right, how they're shifting in their chair. It's also really good
1: for if you are on a date yourself to see how it's going. Communicate good body language. Yeah, exactly. Because like obviously people are not going to like come right out and tell you that like oh i want you to kiss me right now right and like that's just not and also like not to make it like controversial uh, again maybe we're doing this on purpose now but obviously like right now we're in this era where if you make an unwanted advance right it's like oh yeah it could go over badly like for aziz i'm sorry your whole article came out about it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That article was
0: such bullshit. Oh my God, that was absurd.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was basically a date that didn't go that well
0: and- Well, the reporting on it was really terrible yeah. too. And then for it to get kind of taken seriously.
1: Yeah, right. anyway, that was a segue into saying that basically this helps you interpret what the other person is thinking. Yeah. So Actually, it was interesting. I was on a date actually, right around the time we were reading this book. I think we were done with the book. I think it was like the week after. It's at the movies with this girl. And it was one of those like reclining seat Ooh. movie theaters down, I think it was like by Union Square. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, like you're in the movies, so you're not obviously talking to the person. And I noticed that her feet were pointed towards me. Oh. And then I was like, oh, this is going well. It is. Right. So it's like, I don't know. It's just so like, you can see these things. And until you read this book, or until I read this book, at least, I didn't know. You don't notice it nearly as much. Yeah. I was completely clueless yeah. with this stuff. <laughs> so. Definitely recommend that. It's also one that I would actually recommend you read the book. Definitely over listening to our episode. The photos are very helpful. Yeah. And you can't obviously see us as we were recording that. That was the most awkward episode. That was the most awkward episode ever because we're both sitting there talking about this and then just like
0: staring at each other to <laughs> see if we started doing it. Yeah. It's like, is Neil going to touch his face? Right? Is he going to shift in his chair? Yeah. <laughs> so that was the time when we needed the uh, the, the live cast of the episodes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Someday. The videos are funny too. Not the videos, the photos are funny too. They're so awkward. I bet he did that on purpose. Maybe. Is that him? I think so. In photos? Okay. All right.
0: Hiroshima Diary by Michihiko Hachiya. This was really good. We don't reference it enough because I guess it's history.
1: So it's it's less like paradigm shifting. Well, it's also very different from anything else we've done. Right. I would say my biggest takeaway from this one is just how much humans are capable of enduring without breaking. Because, you know, for those who haven't listened to the episode, it's the diary of a doctor in Hiroshima who was injured in the blast. And, uh, you know, obviously he's involved in the recovery process. So treating people... Obviously, he needs to be treated as well, and this is just his private diary of all the events that are transpiring. Yeah, it's pretty amazing just to like hear what people are able to endure and still kind of also how quickly they got accustomed to their circumstances. Right, right. I mean, it was really only a few days where he was like appalled at what's going on, and after that, it was just sort of it, it was what it, okay, this is my life like, now is what he's used to. Yeah. yeah, so that was really interesting to see. Yeah, and
0: I think the other thing too was just like that perspective on hardship mm-hmm. compared to what you know you and i have right. ever had to deal with and probably most of the listeners of the podcast right it's just completely different worlds of life yeah and so i think that whole perspective especially from someone who was on the ground and experiencing it made it
1: really interesting it's tied into stoicism in some ways too of just yeah. like kind of like give you the perspective of what you're going through if anything right is like not even on the same level Right. because like, let's say something's going bad in your life. Like, let's say, you know, someone you love is sick or somebody you, you love has died even. Or this is like everybody he knew has died. Yeah. Basically, he has no house. What injuries did he have? He had a bunch of injuries. Well, he too. got like a full body
0: burn and then he got stabbed in the leg by shrapnel yeah. or something. And so they thought he was gonna die. And yep. he kind of like just miraculously pulled through. Yeah. And then he started losing his hair, which they thought was like a radiation sickness thing, but it was just like a small effect from it, and he ended up being okay from that too.
1: Yep. Or it's like this guy thinks he's gonna die at least twice yeah. in the book. Maybe three times because there's the fire too. Right. Yeah. And it's just like it's one of those things that makes you I think Jordan Peterson talks about this, that it can always get worse. Yeah. And it's one of those things that truly gives you that perspective of like, yeah, it can truly get worse. (laughs) It should be like on a reading list for, you know, freshman college students
0: to make them realize just how little all of the like, oh, my God, I got to be shit matters. (laughs) Yeah or honestly for even in high school or something yeah high school is just like something at right? some point in time yeah because I, obviously we do this too right where you lose a client you're like oh my god the sky is falling or yep. right? end of the world and st- no, I mean, everything's probably going to be okay eventually. Even right. If it's not okay and like the whole business burns to the ground, right? right? You're still going to be fine. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Exactly. Right? You're going to be totally fine. And
1: it's hard to keep that perspective. It really it's really hard to keep that perspective. I think actually in a weird way, reading books like this helps yeah. you keep that perspective. Yeah. It sounds really negative. Like maybe we're not doing a good job pitching it, but it sounds like it sounds like, oh, reading more tragedies helps you keep things in perspective. But it does though. I think
0: that's a big value. Yeah.
1: Speaking of dealing with tragedy. Next one
0: we have is Twelve Rules for Life. Which is our most popular most group? popular episode ever. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It's at least competing with Anti Fragile. Yeah, which is saying something. We're just saying something. You guys really love anti Fragile. You guys really <laughs> love anti-fragile. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we definitely put this out at the right time too, because like Peterson is just blowing up, really in vogue. This book sold over a million copies in three or four months. Yeah. And He's just like, he's really in the limelight right now.
1: Yeah. Which is pretty interesting to see because like, I feel like when I first heard of him was early 2017 and like nobody knew who he was. Like I'd be like, yeah, there's this guy, he's like a psychotherapist and his name's Jordan Peterson and people would be like, oh, I've never heard of that guy. Like me neither until like last month. Yeah. (laughs) And now it's like everybody has heard of Jordan Peterson. Oh, yeah. And everybody has an opinion on Jordan Peterson, too. That's the other thing. It's very interesting to see. (laughs)
0: It's like and it's very polarizing opinions. You either think that he's just the worst
1: person, which he's not that political, which is he's pretty political. he, He takes like gender stances. Right. And he took stance on like the transgender stuff, for sure. Well, he takes a lot of stances on liberalism, too. Less on liberalism, much more on socialism <laughs> and communism.
0: No, because he's got pretty strong criticisms of the Democrats and the liberal parties,
1: yeah. right? But none of it is things that like I've never I haven't heard a Democrat make of their own party as well. Oh, uh, that's so, fair. Like he definitely criticizes the far left for sure. Yeah. But I would argue that like regular democrats also criticize the <laughs> like he's yeah. a, as, like there are definitely way more radical people than jordan peterson basically yeah, my that, point okay that's that's fair. maybe true. it's just because he's popular that like everybody has an opinion on him well
0: i think where it gets hard too is that he's popular and he says stuff like hey if you're a woman it's okay to be fulfilled by staying home and taking care of kids and to some people that's like that feels very offensive. Yeah. Right? Like you're saying women should stay home and take care of kids. Not they can. And he's probably the most popular intellectual who says stuff like that. Right. Or, you know, all this stuff about the gender pronouns. Yeah. Right. Where he's like, you know, he's saying, especially the compelled speech side of it. Yeah. Right. It's really easy to take that, you know, where he's saying, like, I won't be forced to use certain words. But then you can interpret it as, I don't think transgender people should have
1: rights. Right. right? Like, yeah. There's ways to take what he says and take him way further. Exactly. But he's no, like, Milo, right? Or Milo. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, like, people lump them in the same category. But there's no, They're not, like, at all the same. Well, it's sort of actually, like an easy I lazy. would lump him with, like, Joe Rogan, right? Like, think think of the things that yeah. like Joe Rogan would say it says on his own podcast. Very similar. They're very similar. Well, that's how Peterson got famous. Right. Joe Rogan, basically. So... And
0: there, I mean, honestly, that is where I think Peterson's at his best, mm. much better than on his own
1: podcast yeah. or anywhere else. It's like, go listen to him on Rogan. He's good on his biblical lectures. Yeah, that's the that's the other place. Those are really good. But yeah. the yeah, his interviews with a good interviewer, like
0: he's good with Jocko, too. Oh, his Jocko episode is amazing. Yeah. That's honestly one of my favorite podcast episodes of all
1: time. The more recent one, the one. Yeah, yeah I love that one but, oh,
2: it's So good. that was so
1: good. I put it in my newsletter, which I never recommend podcasts yeah. on that. But that that episode was like probably one of the best pieces of content in general Phenomenal. that I've yeah ever listened to.
0: And I mean, the other reason we know this book is blowing up is that if you go, if you Google for the summary of these notes, Neil and I are both on the first page with our book notes. And I mean, like I'm getting four or 500 readers a day just on the book notes for this book. Like that is bonkers. It's insane. He's just, I mean, something that he's saying is resonating with people. And I don't think that it's fully explained by like, you know, alt-right teenagers with a hard-on for the gender
1: ideas. I would say the biggest thing that from this book that, not this book, just him in general, right, is like, it seems to be telling guys like men to, or boys really, to become men, yeah. right, of like, and there's not that many people talking about that. No, Really. So Well, maybe now there will be or there are, but he was really one of the first to, and of course, that's reinforcing the patriarchy and all this shit, right? That people talk about. See, I don't think that is, I don't think that's fair, reinforcing the patriarchy and all of that. That's what people would interpret that as. Oh,
0: people, some people would interpret it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but what I was going to say is, I think the reason that is even more powerful right now is that there's all of these ideas around toxic masculinity and like, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Men need to like not be masculine, right? right. And then he's saying like, he's not saying, you know, be an asshole or anything. He's just saying like, man up right like take you know take responsibility for your life even
1: his whole thing of like clean your room clean your room exactly it's such a simple thing but it's so tied to that like take responsibility idea it's like your room clean it up exactly (laughs) so yeah i don't know i like his message a lot and i haven't found anything in it like he'll sometimes say things in ways that you're like oh you can tell you've been in a classroom for the last 25 years because you know like as soon as he says it you're like oh that's going to be interpreted horribly yeah right but like You can tell he's not like a sexist person. Yeah, he's not like a terrible person. He just is sometimes easy to misread. And he also is used to the like lecture format, right? So he's not used to the soundbite, like I need to get my point across in two sentences. He's used to the, oh, I have an hour to say what I need to
2: say. Well,
1: it's kind of like Taleb's
0: problem too right yeah which he says is the reason he just doesn't do news stuff right. anymore <laughs> yeah. Is that he's like if i he's like why would i want to talk about something that can be explained in you know a two-second soundbite right <laughs> and then they take that as like oh he's elitist because or, or his ideas are just like or he doesn't really understand what he's talking about because he can't explain it simply it's yeah. like well no some things require some things are
1: complicated right <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i i think that Because there's like that Einstein quote, right? That if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it. And it's like, on the one hand, okay, sure. You know, relativity is like, oh, like time changes depending on the speed you're moving at. But that doesn't explain it. (laughs) No. Right? It just tells
1: you what it is. But it doesn't explain why or how. Just
0: getting that doesn't make you understand (laughs) relativity, right? Yeah. You're going to have to do a lot more work to get there.
1: Equals MC squared. Oh, I I understand it. Oh, yeah. I get it now. It's like, nope, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs)
0: Let's go listen to 12 Rules for Life. One of our longest episodes too.
1: Yeah, that's a good one though. I mean, that's definitely a book and a episode I'd recommend that you go into. Yes. All right, Merchants of Doubt. This is
0: a good one. Uh, Basically how tobacco and global warming and... Ozone layer and pollution and all
1: these other things. And then we talked about sugar a lot
0: on that episode. Oh, yeah, we talked about sugar. That, that wasn't
1: in the book, but yeah.
0: It's kind of after the book's time, but similar problems that are just all of these areas where businesses are doing things bad for citizens. Yeah. There are scientists who are payrolled to create fake science to support
1: these destructive practices. Well, and I also saw in this book, it really made clear to me that even if let's say the science says, oh, it's 90% likely it's this thing and 10% likely it's the other thing. Yeah. The media is not trained to present those things in a weighted fashion. The media is trained to present those things as equal weights. Right. So they'll say, oh, it's this, but then another group of scientists is saying that, right, and they'll show that there's both sides. They'll show a controversy. Right, because that helps them. Right, and so the big thing in this book, the biggest takeaway that I had was like, whenever you see that in the news, that's not always the case. Right? There, there might be scientists on one side and scientists on the other, but it might be like nine thousand on one side and two on the other side. Right, <laughs> right. So doesn't mean it's evenly balanced in science. And those two might, as your to your point, right? Like those two might be on the payroll, right? right. Of companies who are incentivized to think that. Well, that was the remarkable thing was how many of these. You
0: know, controversies that aren't really controversies were manufactured by the same people. Yeah. It were these, (laughs) you know, these scientists who just realized they could make a lot of money by spreading like old school fake news about science research. Yeah.
1: And they just kept doing it for all these different industries. Well, and the difficult part is like, yes, there is uncertainty in these things. Like, for example, it is not guaranteed that if you smoke a cigarette, you are going to get lung cancer. Right. So they take that shred of doubt basically, that that not shred of doubt, that like lack of causality. Yeah, I guess like the lack of direct link. Yeah. Right. And use that to spread doubt on the the empirical evidence. Right. Because right? the empirical evidence is if you smoke regularly, you are likely to get, it, it increases your chances of getting lung cancer. Yeah. And that's sort of true on an empirical basis. But on each individual human basis, it's not necessarily true. Right. Like there are people who smoke you know pack a day and don't get lung cancer they're very lucky well
0: but it's actually i mean and it's surprisingly possible for an individual because the stats are actually something like you can smoke all day for your whole
1: life and still only have a 50 percent chance of getting lung cancer and there's people who don't smoke ever and get lung cancer that too also so yeah. it's like i think in you ever watch breaking bad uh yeah did he have lung cancer i think he had lung cancer right He definitely had cancer. Yeah, I want to say it was lung
0: cancer. And he never smoked really before that. Right. Yeah, that's the thing is you can just get it. Yeah. Right.
1: You're much more, if you have it, it is much more likely that you were a smoker. Right. Right. But it doesn't mean that like it doesn't you could get it and you could have never smoked a day in your life yeah exactly so yeah basically these scientists are taking that lack of direct like a direct link like yeah if you fall off a building that's 100 stories high and you die it's a hundred percent chance yeah you are going to die basically right but if you smoke a cigarette it just increases your chances of getting something but it doesn't mean that you will get it so they take that lack of a direct link and say that oh well the science is still up in the air Right. And make it seem like there's a whole another side to it that's not understood. Well, and there
0: was also that big problem of scientists speak in one way and journalists speak in another way. I think the scientists are precise. Yeah, they're precise and they're very careful, right? So they're not going to say, say, oh, this increases the chances of you getting lung cancer. I mean, they might not even say that. They might say, you know, it's been shown in some studies. Exactly. That it can increase your chance of getting lung cancer, which sounds super weak. Right. Whereas a journalist is fine saying like smoking causes cancer. Right. Or if you don't
1: say that, they Think that oh, there must not be. Yeah, it must not be very serious. Yeah. which is where you run into a lot of
0: issues, right? I mean, th- this just kind of reinforces like what I try to do is just read original research articles. Yep. But the problem there is like even that is
1: dubious because honestly, what I've kind of defaulted to, yeah, is just the ancestral stuff. Just trying to go as much as as close as possible to that type of thing because it's it's just so hard to know with like new. I, I know it sounds like really backwards almost like almost anti-science yeah yeah but it's like it's so hard to know what's funded by who and like who's incentivized to do what right so it's like i don't know i almost just want to follow like the windy rule and just be like all right i'm just gonna do this
0: when somebody emailed me in response to my last medley because i included in the medley a published case study of a child who was raised on a vegan diet and developed spinal cord issues from insufficient nutrition, right? Because it's like a vegan diet is really bad for you. It's very limiting. So to be fair, you can properly construct a vegan diet. It can be done. It's very hard, very restrictive, and the vast majority of vegans don't do it. Right. So most people who are living on a vegan diet are like missing a ton of nutrients. And so this kid was raised on a vegan diet, spinal cord didn't develop, and he's basically like permanently damaged for the rest of his life. And I included that in the medley and someone emailed me back and she said, Hey, you know, this was a study with just one participant and it wasn't, you know, like controlled in any way. Like, I'm not sure it's good science. These should be sharing. Right. And, you know, my thought was like, okay, that's a fair criticism, but then you've got all these other studies that get published in nature with thousands of citations and, you know, tons of references, but end up being wrong. Right. It's like all the Amy Cuddy stuff or like the priming stuff. What is that? So like uh, the psychological priming that if you show somebody like words related to old people, they'll walk slower. Right. Like most of that research is bullshit. Interesting. right? It's just never been really reproduced very well. But it gets cited tons still Mm. to this day, even though it's been even though, yeah, we just really haven't been able to reproduce it. Or the, like the marshmallow test. Right? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's my favorite one. We talked about that one. Yeah, Yeah, where it's like you know, oh, if you if a kid can resist one marshmallow for two, then they're going <laughs> to do better in life. Not true. Yeah. Right? it has not been reproduced at all. Yeah, right. And it like it has failed reproduction. To be clear, it hasn't just not been reproduced. It has failed reproduction. You just completely failed it. Yeah. Yeah. But those studies have been cited tons of times. They were in really big journals. So that is not a good indicator of robustness. Right. right? Especially in social science stuff. Right. Physics. All right. I'm going to, you know, if a physics thing is published in nature, I'm going to take it seriously. Right. But if you've got like a social science type
1: thing. I would loop biology in with social science more than I would with physics. Because I think biology is a lot harder to control all the variables. Especially
0: genetic stuff. That's what I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just so hard. Think about all the variables that affect your body since the time you were born. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, there's just so many vectors to look at things at. Like there's where you lived, there's what you ate, there's how you slept, your parents were like did you go to the ocean during this time when there was an oil spill like there's just so many different variables to account for and it's like empirical biology makes a lot of sense but it's really hard to find direct causal links through empirical biology yeah so yeah it's I mean, the vegan thing I can believe, though, because it's like more like that's why I, I was what I was saying before is the ancestral stuff. You have to look at like what's like Lindy compatible versus versus what's not. Well, that's sort of what I was saying right? yeah. is that that's kind of your only barometer that's left yeah. is evolution.
0: And like you kind of have to have just a good gut check for science. Yeah. You can't just trust like, oh, journal. Good. Oh, the study said this. Yeah. So, yeah. And if Vox is talking about it, it's <laughs> probably false. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one. Leverage points, places to intervene in a system. Ooh, this is fun. This is a great one. Another long one from a very short piece. Yeah. But it's basically about the 12 points you can intervene in a complex system to create some change and the relative powers of each of them. And I think the biggest thing is how it starts off with or what it starts off with, which is that kind of parameters are very low leverage points. Right. So the actors in the system or the variables and all of that are extremely low power, right? Which president... Is sitting at in the Oval Office is much less important than the rules of government they have to work within, and the fact that there is a president. Yeah, right. Even that, right? Or the goals of the citizens of the country, or you know the motivational forces like outside the country There's a lot of factors way more important than the president. Right. But we tend to focus on parameters, right? right? Variables in the system. We don't focus on the broader structure where we can
1: get much more leverage over the you know end results. And zooming out, like what she even defines as a system right is very interesting so like obviously a political system is a system a company is a system the ecosystem is a system right like there's all these different types of systems and it's another lens through which to view the world right think of everything as a
0: complex system that's
1: what i mean Yeah. yeah so it's in a in a weird way this is actually a paradigm shifting article i would say because once you read this article you kind of view a lot of things through the the systems lens systems lens yeah yeah Which uh, our friend Taylor does a really good job of this too, I think. Yeah. So
0: if you've read Taylor Pearson's blog, you know, he talks a lot about complex system theory and how you can apply that, you know, on a very macro scale to your own life. And then also how it can apply at a broader
1: scale to like governments, society and economics and all of that. And it also, this article ties into... A bunch of other things that we've talked about on, on the show. So even finite and infinite games, that comes up near the end of the article. Exactly. The end of the article is basically like an infinite games thought experiment, right? right.
0: That the the true leverage point is the ability to transcend paradigms. Right. <laughs> right. Like changing paradigms gives you a lot of power. Right. But moving beyond paradigms gives you even more power, right? Which is just like... You're talking about an infinite game now. Yeah, exactly. And you're ha- a pure infinite player, right? You're, you're not constrained by anything. Yeah. Which, obviously, like, nobody can ever really hit, but you can get close to it. Or you can flirt with it. You can, you know, skirt with the horizon, and then, obviously, it expands again, okay. right? It's ever-expanding. Yeah, you
1: can never reach the horizon. Yeah. So, I don't know. I,
0: I just, I've really enjoyed this article. Yeah. It really makes you think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's our limit per episode of saying that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this episode I think we can say it once per book. <laughs> yeah. We got to have again the sound effect thing. Maybe that's when our Patreon reaches a certain level. We got the soundboard. <laughs> exactly. That'll be our first Patreon goal. We'll buy we'll buy a, a tangent button. <laughs> yeah. Tangent button, a that really made you think button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a groan like an audience uh, groan button like uh, uh. laugh
0: track. <laughs> yep. Although I've heard that our laugh track is good enough. Yeah. Just us laughing sometimes makes people laugh, which I appreciate. Yeah. I'm glad we're all laughing together, having yeah. a good time thinking about things. But yeah, this is a short article, so it's worth reading yourself. Yeah. You can get through the article much faster than you can our episode. Yeah.
1: You just still listen to the episode. Just read. You can read the article first and then go to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. And it's also good for um, if you have your own company. I found this lens is a pretty useful one to think about. Yeah. Like this. I, I don't know about you. I feel like all these episodes we've done. They're almost like our curriculum that we've gotten Mm, through. Yeah. Especially as we're kind of in similar points with our companies too. It's like we're building teams. We have like structuring our time, structuring companies' time, structuring how the company operates, how you interact with customers. There's like all these different parameters that you're working with. And all these books we're talking about are like, All related in some way to how we're building our companies.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think that's part of it, but I think there's also the thread of young adult trying to figure out life. That's a great point, too. Yeah. Because we do touch on a lot of like self fulfillment, Mm -hmm. relationships, psychology, philosophy, that stuff that is also, I think, extremely useful and doesn't necessarily relate to like business. Yeah. And and politics too, right? Because some of the political stuff is also very useful. I mean, we're going to get to riddle of the gun in a couple, but like that was a paradigm shifting. That's true. So, all right. Daily rituals. All I remember is uh, amphetamines. People were doing a lot of drugs, (laughs) a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. It made me
1: realize I don't drink enough. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's actually why we started drinking for these episodes is we're like, all right, well, this is how all these other people got famous. So clearly correlation equals causation. Uh, There's no survivorship bias here. We should become alcoholics and then we too will be famous.
1: Alcoholics on Adderall on like. I did a lot of coke before the episodes. so I'm ready to go. You're in the right city for that,
0: my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, I I did not not actually do that.
1: I know you're listening, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the episode was really interesting from the standpoint of how many of these historical geniuses were basically like drugged up, drunk, and not sleeping. But there's definitely survivorship bias there. And it was just interesting to to read like this book. And I'm sure to listen to the episode, too, you, you got the sense that we were intrigued by all these historical geniuses. The one thing I didn't think
0: about when we first read it and did the episode, but that I've thought more about since then, is that in some ways, this could really be called like the non-habits of a genius. (laughs) Because if I got anything from the book, it's that these people had these periods of this kind of like intense focus, reclusiveness, you know, occasionally being very productive, waking up early, whatever. But they were also kind of like hot messes. Yeah. Right? And this idea of the ever-productive... You know, artistic genius or whatever is really a myth, right? I mean, even the best people in the book were only productive for fairly short periods of their life that were meaningful, right? I mean, what is it like? Uh, gosh, who was the poet who produced like pretty much all of their famous poetry within six months and then just like died? Oh, Keats? Uh, who was it? But the amount of production during those six yeah. months was like absurd, yeah, or Ayn Rand, right? She, like, didn't do anything for most of her life and then discovered Adderall and, like, went crazy for 10, 15 years and then, like, didn't really do much after Alice Shrugged. Which is how long it takes to read Atlas Shrugged. No,
1: <laughs> just, <Exactly>. kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, I, mean, I think that was the other big
0: thing is that this this idea of the habitual master who's, like, waking up and doing their craft every day is kind of bullshit, right? Yeah. And I think we see that in ourselves and our friends, too. You know, I go through periods of oh, definitely. super
1: high productivity. There's, like, weeks or even days where you're just, like holy shit, I got more done today than I got done in like the past month. Yeah. Right? Like in terms of meaningful work. Yeah. Like obviously we all go through the motions every day, but like how much meaningful work did you get done? I think there is also this element of
0: productivity cannot be evaluated in the moment it's really only a reflective judgment and so you can only like aim at it you can't really hit it deliberately right? and so I think a lot of these people were you
1: can only see it in the rear view mirror like oh that
0: was worth it yeah you can really only see like oh that was productive but you can't really wake up and say this will be a productive day right there's just really no way to do that no matter how good your systems are and all of these artists and stuff oh because there could be a fire that comes up or some random thing that happens or you feel great in the morning and then you feel like shit in the afternoon right you eat the wrong food something you can like engineer it a little bit but it is very much a rear view mirror thing yeah and so the problem with books like uh habits of a genius but also some of the value is that you can you you do get a lot of that narrative fallacy right where uh curry says in the book like this was this person's routine wake up at this hour do this like do this do that oh so- which is a fallacy of course because not every single day yeah it's like that's what they tell their friends they do on their
1: best day i do like that he didn't get prescriptive yeah with it like because it would have been very easy to add a part at the end of like oh here or at the beginning which is like here are the best practices from this book right which maybe was the intention originally was to add that but then he found how many of the things were illegal <laughs> no legal but also contradictory contradictory as well yeah because right, there's a lot of people who
0: wake up early or wake up super late yeah right people who and, and also just you know weird shit right? right like who's the guy who had to oh. masturbate in the drapes or something oh mm-hmm.
1: who was the guy was it um tesla who raised, oh, yeah. like, the
0: four, like like the 14 napkins on the table.
1: Yeah, and he had to have this, like, routine. For if he was at, like, a restaurant or something, like, the utensils, he had to, like, polish or something before he would yeah. eat. And Like, if you saw that guy at a restaurant, you would be <laughs> like, like, I'm out of here. Like, before this guy shoots up this place. He's about to, yeah, just murder everyone. <laughs> yeah, like, but that wasn't, like, a consistent thread. Like, it wasn't every genius did that. Yeah, a lot of them had
0: some weird shit going on. So that's what I was going to
1: say is that the one other thing I took away from this book is that how much like a lot of these geniuses skirted with insanity, let's say, like there's definitely a line. If they didn't produce something meaningful, they would have been considered insane. Yeah. But then see, I say that. But then as I was saying that, I was thinking... What if there were? this was like a selection bias? Like we only know of the geniuses that he chose to include in this book. Mm. Only the ones who had interesting habits. Or maybe the there's stories. an availability problem. These were the ones whose records were available because they were so weird that somebody wrote them down back when they were living. Yeah. But the people who just lived like normally. That's a good point. Nobody wrote, nobody down. wrote down their routine because they were just like, oh, he got up, he drank coffee, he worked, went to bed. <laughs> Did his thing. Yeah, nobody wrote it down. Yeah. And then maybe there's an availability problem. I don't know. Anyway, still good episode. This is a Charlie Munger problem. It yeah. makes you think about this stuff. <laughs> still a fun one to
0: check out. Uh, skin in the game. Second to so love. We had eagerly awaited this.
1: Yep. Second to love episode. Uh, another very popular episode. Yeah. Understandably, if people like anti-fragile, they'll probably like this. Honestly, not his best book. I thought. Yeah. Not his best from a insightful, I guess, like new idea standpoint. Yeah. Actually, let me ask you. I, forget, I think you answered this during the episode too. Did you read the Medium posts? before i did not okay see i was thinking that i felt that way because i'd read the medium posts because i as i was reading the book i'm like okay i have probably read like half of this already but i wasn't sure if it was just me or i had anything.
0: read two or three of them i read iyi uh intellectual yet idiot but i love that <laughs> i hadn't read most of them deliberately because i didn't want to ruin the book when it came out no it makes sense yeah but i still felt like it was a appendix to anti-fragile
1: right I liked it for it. Actually, so I just did my book notes on it finally, like months later. Oh, yeah, I saw. But like, so I went through a lot of my notes again, right, to post this. And I found that um, I actually enjoyed it more when I was going through the notes, but Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it for like the stories and the narrative. Okay. So this book is much more of like a narrative, I felt like, than a logically structured, like prescriptive book. This one is the most book of essays that's what I mean,
0: of any of yeah. his books exactly he says all of his books are books of essays but a lot of them feel more
1: coherently ordered yeah whereas skin in the game is very much like essay 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 like essay. i would say black swan and anti-fragile at least book because i've only read uh fooled by randomness once okay and i i actually probably need to reread it because i think i skimmed a lot of that um i think i tried to read it first before i was really deep into his that's what i did too process which was a bad idea yeah anyway I think Black Swan and Antifragile were, like, logically constructed cases where he was really sort of constructing a start-to-finish argument of a way of viewing the world. Whereas this was not at all that. Right. Like, this was definitely a book of uh, largely unrelated essays, actually. Yeah. Very just, like, things he's been thinking about for the last five years. They're all related to skin in the game. Of course, the concept of skin in the game, they're all related. But even then, some of them aren't fully related. Right. It's so like if you've read uh, Blink
0: by Malcolm Gladwell. I haven't. Okay. Which I don't recommend because okay. it's by Malcolm Gladwell. But <laughs> I was gonna
1: say, I was like, hmm, huh?
0: what happened? <laughs> but he did the same thing where he just like compiled a bunch of his essays for the New Yorker and put it into a book. Right. It felt that was kind of what Taleb was doing here. Yeah. Although Taleb didn't do them in like mainstream media or something. Yeah. No, no, he did on Medium, yeah. which is a very Talebian thing to yeah. do. <laughs> if you're a fan of Taleb, you will yeah. like this book. Well, and I, we should also say that the ideas
1: of having skin in the game are great are very valuable yes right it's great if you're negotiating with somebody it's great if you are evaluating why someone is doing what they're doing it's a really good lens through which to view everything and honestly it's a really good way to structure your own compensation when you're working on something so like no matter what you're working on like i really i used to always dislike the hourly structure for consulting but like this book sort of made that concrete of like why i dislike it yeah and it's like there's no your incentives are actually totally opposed to the other person's right your skin in the game is to take as long as possible on the project <laughs> use up as much of their money as possible yeah, yeah. whereas there, there's uh they have skin in the game because they want to get their task done and that's what you should want also yeah to be most efficient with your time and their time so i don't know i've just found that like Maybe not ever since reading this book, but re- ever since maybe those essays that he was writing, mm-hmm. really started to think about that more in terms of how we, you know I would structure a deal or a contract with somebody. Which is probably the main
0: value of, I think, all of Taleb's books yeah. is that the titles themselves are extremely valuable mental models. That's a great point. Full by randomness, mm-hmm. Black Swan, yeah. Anti-Fragile, Better Procrustes Skin in the Game. Yeah. Those are all five extremely useful mental models to have and to use on kind of a daily basis. And so reading the books is useful in that it allows you to have a very complete picture of that mental model. And I think where Skin in the Game ran into trouble was that you got a good idea of that mental model from Anti-Fragile. Right. And so it didn't need as much of an explanation the way Anti-Fragile did from Black Swan. Right. Anti-Fragile was a very logical outgrowth of Black Swan. Yeah. (laughs) Just as Skin in the Game is from (laughs) Anti-Fragile. Yeah. But it was a smaller... Smaller outgrowth. Yeah. It's like Anti-Fragile was... Like there's the anti-fragile circle, which contains black swan. Right. But it also contains skin in the game. The skin in the game circle doesn't contain anti-fragile. He didn't move up a layer of abstraction. Yeah. He like stayed within the same
1: layer. He did answer like if you are curious about Taleb as a person, you get to learn a little bit more about him. Yeah. Through this book. That was fun. Which was cool. So that's pretty interesting. And then it, he also was just hilarious. So from an entertainment perspective, this book is great. It's really good because <laughs> he insults a lot of people in very creative ways. He's he's funny. Yeah. And he gets angrier as each book goes on, I feel That's like. That's the thing, too. Yeah. He becomes more of an asshole in each book.
0: <laughs> he, so you have to like that side of it. If you if you can't stand his like dickish writing. If you don't like him on Twitter, you won't like Skin in the Game. Um, no. I mean, he's, he's tamer in the book than on Twitter. Yes. But if you thought Antifragile was too dickish, you won't like Skin in the Definitely, hand. yeah. It gets harder, as, or it gets harsher as each book goes
1: on. I found people who haven't read any of his books, like, but they've listened to our episodes. Yeah. And they say, oh, like, I tried following that guy on Twitter. And I can't stand him, so I haven't read his books. But I like what you guys talked about on the episode. (laughs) So I'm like, I always tell him to actually just go read the book because he's not as much of an asshole in the books. Yeah, he's much softer in the books. Twitter, he treats as a bar at 2 a.m. Where you're fighting for being heard. I really, if if we ever get to meet him, if he's ever on this... Taleb, if you're listening to this, you're welcome on the show anytime. Yep. Um, I would love to ask him how many bar fights he's gotten into because some of the descriptions are amazing. He's got to have gotten into at least one. He's like, two. oh, you hit it, you hit like people. He's like, preferably hit them with chairs. And yeah. I'm like, what? I've never hit anybody with a chair in my life. Yeah. Like, what what kind of life am I living?
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you really know yourself if you've never been in a fight, Neil? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I've been in fights, but just never hit anybody with a chair in a oh, bar okay. at 2 a.m. <laughs> I know what we're doing this weekend. He was talking about the IYIs. He was like, they've never gotten so drunk they started hitting people with
0: chairs. <laughs> yeah. Two o'clock. And worst of all,
1: they don't deadlift. Yeah, exactly. Or what's the thing about like pottery or whatever low testosterone people do on the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. weekends? <laughs> There's so many good insults in this book. Just read it for the insults. Yeah, just read it for the insults. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. <laughs> so the next one is uh, The Riddle of the Gun by Sam Harris, yeah. which was. I do agree. That was a paradigm shifting article. It's a
0: great article. Yeah. It's concise. It's very clear. It's not political. And it honestly changed my view of gun ownership, right? Where prior to reading that article, I said, no, we should get rid of guns. Guns are bad, right? Guns obviously cause problems. And then I read that and I was like, oh no, I, yeah, guns are kind of important.
1: Yeah. Or that it's not as black and white as your Facebook feed will make you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or your
0: one very, very liberal friend will make you believe. It's like.
1: But I also liked how he had skin in the game as he is a gun owner, trains. Trains every month. And I like the nuance in this article too because yeah. so much of what we see is black and white on both sides, not just right. your super liberal Facebook friend, but also like Fox News or whoever, right? Like there are a lot of people that make it a black and white issue. And he brought up a lot of nuances around just, like how well trained somebody like him is with guns yeah. versus like just somebody who I, I feel like on maybe I'm blaming Fox News too much like you know what I mean when I say Fox News I'm I'm, yeah. I'm using that as like a catch-all term entertainment reporting on the right yeah well I was gonna say on the left too
2: yeah on yeah. both
1: sides right makes it seem like a black and white issue and if you look at it through that lens you're like well why doesn't everybody think this and I think Sam Harris did a really good job with this article of threading the needle of being like, okay, yeah, there's points on both sides. Here's what they are. Here's where they're right. Here's where they're wrong. And he was prescriptive as well in the article, which I thought was, you know, good that he took a stance on that. Yeah.
0: And I think it highlights well the problems where this is an issue in which the like micro game theory conflicts with the macro optimal outcome Hmm. where the I think the macro optimal outcome is no guns in the US, right? Or like extremely limited like japanese style you have to be very well trained all of that like but to get there well but on the micro level the incentive is to just get a gun right right because right now if you know that
1: you are at risk right especially if you're living in certain areas like you should have one that's exactly what i was going to say like i was going to say like if for if you were airdropped right now into south side chicago yeah your number one objective should be to get a gun.
0: <laughs> yeah, like have some protection, <laughs> yeah. right? Or, or I mean, I, I had this conversation with somebody a few weeks ago, and I was saying that if I was choosing between two private schools and one private school had armed guards and one didn't, obviously I'm going to prefer the one that has armed guards. Right. So so the micro incentives are the opposite of the long-term. Exactly. Right. Outcome. Like yeah. I would prefer a world where our kids aren't surrounded by military. Right. But right now, if I have to pick between two
1: schools... I'm going to pick the one with the armed guards. It's kind of like in a weird way, the optimal outcome actually for the world, like the world uh, ecosystem, let's say, yeah, is for countries not to get rich, right? Like as China gets richer, they eat more meat, they use more energy, they pollute more. There's all these bad things that happen for the environment as countries get richer. But obviously nobody in the micro in a micro sense in China is going to be like, I'm not going to take that job because that's going to pollute the ecosystem more. Yeah. Nobody's going to do that. But like for the overall system, that might be the optimal thing is for people to stay peasants, basically. Yeah. Right. And and keep the world economy an agrarian economy that probably would pollute the world less. But Nobody at the micro level is ever going to do that. <laughs> well, which is why, honestly, I like companies like Tesla
2: mm.
0: where, you know, Prius basically says, hey, you're going to drive an ugly, shitty car, but you'll be helping the environment. Yeah. Right. That's not very motivating. But Tesla <laughs> says, hey, you're going to drive a sexy, fastest, accelerating car on the market and you'll be helping the environment. Right.
1: So it's one of those, if it's an and, it's so much easier. So much easier. Right? It's yeah. like, it can't be your reason why. Tesla makes like, especially the Model S it's a elite car like it is a great car yeah and it happens to be good for the environment (laughs) right so that's like it makes it so it pushes you over the hump right of like okay i'm gonna buy this right but like if that is the only motivation you have i don't know like if the tesla looked horrible and did not accelerate fast but still cost the same it'd be harder to motivate it'd be be a hard sell yeah yeah be like well no i'm gonna i can afford a high-end mercedes so i'm just gonna get that do that yeah anyway Good episode. Great article. Check it out. The one last thing I'll say on that one is I haven't found success sharing this with other people. Oh, really? Like when I will email it to somebody or especially if you drop in a Facebook comment, it's not going to do shit. (laughs) I've noticed that too. Some people just react
0: very naively being like, oh, well, obviously more guns is bad.
1: Yeah. Or they don't even read the article. Yeah, they don't read
0: the article. They're just like, no, obviously this is stupid. Like we need to get rid of guns. Yeah. So if somebody's found a better way to like show the nuance, I'm curious to hear. I think the best way is to just only be friends with people who (laughs) listen to made you think. That's my solution. (laughs) Like I have some friends who don't listen and they're out. Yeah. I mean, I just (laughs) delete their phone number, remove them on Twitter. Facebook's already gone. So that's good. So that's just the best way. I saw you pop up on Facebook. Well, so I have to I have to have an account
1: for ads. Oh, Got it. I didn't. I purposely didn't friend that because I thought someone was impersonating you. No, no. And I thought about texting you and then I forgot. It's
0: it's my account, but it's <laughs> under a different
1: email and it has zero friends. Somehow it like it showed up right away. Number one, it was like Nat said. and I was like, did he back out? I'm not going to text him because that might be mean. So I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's creepy. Maybe I should change the profile picture to like this
0: is an ads account. Although Facebook might flag that. They they really hate fake accounts. They really disincentivize it. It's
1: not fake still your account. Yeah, I mean, but it's... They want you to use it for... They want me to use it for
0: being social.
1: Yeah. Oh, well.
0: They haven't kicked you off yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, they already... They got rid of my ads account once already, but that's another story for another time. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing. It was my fault.
1: (laughs) I'm really curious to hear the story, but we'll save that.
0: Uh, Actually, you can get that story if you subscribe to Patreon. That's true. And it will be in the bonus notes from this episode. Or maybe the hangout. And it'll be in the first hangout. Yes, we'll come back to it. (laughs) All right. Discipline and Punished by Michel Foucault, not a BDSM book. No, no. Which I, I told I told my sister that this is one of her most popular episodes ever. And she was like, well, it's probably because they thought they were gonna learn about like BDSM and bondage. <laughs> not postmodernism. Thought it was gonna be like a sex book, not a postmodernism. <laughs> it's like, all right, that's fair. And Foucault was really into all that shit. So maybe the title was kind of a kind of a joke. Yeah, maybe. Like, hmm. Mm, <laughs> discipline and punish. Yeah, mm. maybe maybe postmodernism is just <laughs> <laughs> a giant like BDSM
1: yeah. front illusion something. But anyway, this was one where I actually wouldn't recommend the book as much as I actually would say you go listen to our episode. Yeah, go listen to our episode. Don't read the book. We did the work for you. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. It's
0: so painful. It's a tough book. It's punishment to go through. the It book. is. It's
1: just, it requires discipline and it's a punishment. It requires discipline and you will feel punished. That said, though, I found that my understanding of postmodernism was much stronger yeah. after reading this.
0: This is the biggest thing is that there is postmodernism as written by the postmodernists. And there is modern postmodernism mm-hmm. as exists in, you know, universities and psych, de- I mean, psych philosophy departments and, you know, the whole, like, Jordan Peterson, Eric Weinstein, intellectual
1: dark web, right? Like, that is a very different postmodernism than what was actually written. Right. There wasn't a ton that was offensive in here of, like, uh, no. of like to my, at least to my sensibilities, right? Yeah. It wasn't a ton that I, like, felt repelled against. But in modern postmodernism, there's a lot that I feel repelled against yeah and it was very interesting how I didn't see like if you think of Foucault as like the first principles I didn't see like modern postmodernism come out of that completely I, I saw how it could you could see how it could I think we made a good analogy during the. but it episode. wasn't a logic it wasn't like an inevitable yeah. eventuality it was an interpretation
0: but not a necessary one yeah we made a good analogy during the episode which is like Nietzscheism and Nazism, right So if you read Nietzsche, you can see how that would lead to Nazism, right? Like, oh, we need to create the ubermensch and, you know, like kill off everyone who doesn't fit this ideal.
1: Honestly, even just the principle of survival of the fittest. Yeah. Right? It's like social Darwinism. You could just see eugenics coming out of that, right? That is like, yeah, that is one way, one thing it could lead to is believing in the theory of survival of the fittest would lead to logically... You should kill off people who aren't the
0: fittest. Exactly. But doesn't mean that the original idea of survival of the fittest is bad. Right. So to be careful what you do with it. Exactly. Which is related to the problem we're having now of people thinking that if you have a base idea that can be interpreted badly, the base idea is bad. Right. Where, you know, we've talked about this way too much on this podcast, I think. But some of the stuff that says, or a lot of the, honestly, postmodernist, modern postmodernism ideas that if you admit there are differences between races, sex, social classes, then you will create discrimination, right? That's where I think it becomes problematic, is that you can, you know, like you and I can look at each other and be like, hey, you're white, you're Indian, we're different, right? That doesn't mean that we have to like be racist to each other. Exactly. Right? It's not a necessary condition on recognizing differences. Yeah,
1: difference doesn't necessarily mean inferior or superior. Right. just can mean difference. And Mm -hmm. to be
0: fair, Foucault does say that it does mean that. That was the one thing in the book where he says that if you acknowledge differences, you necessarily create a hierarchy. Yeah. And I think there's something to that, but I think there is also something to the argument that we can recognize that we are all different in our own ways while still respecting the rights and like, privileges and stuff of each other
1: and not necessarily create like a caste system right yeah I don't know it's like it's such a tough thing because like obviously I don't agree with modern postmodernism, but then there was a lot in the book that we read in Foucault's book where I'm just like okay yes that seems true that seems true that seems true but then you don't agree with like the logical conclusion of where it led right and you're right there are things in here that he says which we don't necessarily agree with or I don't necessarily agree with but it didn't seem like it If you agree with Foucault, it doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be an SJW. Let's put it that way. (laughs)
0: You
1: you can enjoy reading Foucault. Exactly.
0: And not be like, gosh, I have to find a less offensive way to phrase this. So I'll just leave it at that. All right, we're done. (laughs) I said it. All right, now for the three-part saga. Yeah, this is a fun, fun series. Yeah. It was very popular too, so... I think we we hit on something with it, but yeah. So Sapiens, part one and two, which we'll just do in one go since we've got yeah we've gone over on enough episodes now.
1: And then Homo Deus is related as well. Maybe we just combine
0: all three. Homo we'll Deus related as well. Yeah, we combine all three. I mean, just all of the ideas in here about mythology and shared stories as this big driving force for human development. Yeah, right. That to me felt like the big thing
1: underlying these two books. Definitely. Well, also the um. The other thing was just the shared myth idea of how many things in our daily life, they really only exist because we all agree that they exist implicitly, like money, right? Money is such a good example. It's like a piece of paper or a coin or like whatever. You can't eat that. Right. Right. You can't do anything with it. But we all agree that, oh, if I pay you $100 like that means something which is why i think it's funny
0: when people say oh bitcoin's not real money right right. i'm just like what the hell is real money right yeah <laughs> it's like cowrie shells aren't real money gold's not real money right. us dollar isn't real like there is no real money yep. like what is real and what isn't money real money is a
1: construct yeah
0: it's just it's all made it's all made up anyway yep right and so there's nothing more or less real about bitcoin than gold
1: yeah right but i found this to be interesting from a standpoint of from many different standpoints of just This seems to be like the one human superpower Mm -hmm. of creating these shared stories to organize beyond just like a small tribe. So like, for example, the chimpanzees versus humans example, it's like very hard to organize like a thousand chimpanzees to do one thing, right? But humans, that happens all the time. Like we have millions of humans who are in, you know, we all belong to the same country or we all belong to the same city or like what is a city really at the end of the day, right? It is a construct. A city is a human like label that we've put on this area. Right. And it doesn't really mean like there's no natural law that says that this is a city. It's just a human label we've applied. Yeah. So I don't know. Just is a really good, um, especially Sapiens, I would say is very good for a paradigm shifting book, I guess, that would help you reinterpret how you view your surroundings and everything you interact with, honestly, like a company too. a company is just an idea. A company is just sort of a made up idea, right? It's just a shared
0: myth. And then, as he talks about it, going into the future, right, with Homodeus. right. Right That you know, this next step of kind of dataism and transcendence, right? Yep. Where we can move beyond, at least partially, our corporeal human forms and enter into these sort of technologies, computers systems, whatever. right. Right. And how will that be shaped by these myths that we have? Right? Because I think he made a compelling argument that the bodies can go away but the mythology underlying our shared consciousness will not. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that leaving. So what will it mean to be these myth and story-seeking creatures in a kind of like post-biology world? Yeah.
1: All right? It's an interesting question. But what if there was a post... Like, I'm not saying this is likely, but let's just say a post-death world. Right. Like, what does that even look like? And also, it's like very interesting to think about because... We have these constructs that aren't based in physics, like money, let's say, right? And like, let's say we do transcend biology, I could still see money being a thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There would need to be some unit of exchange. Yeah, but there's nothing like in our biology that mm-hmm. was leading to money. You know, Like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, very interesting yeah, to, yeah. to think about like the causality. Like, okay, if you start with these things that were constructs and they continue to persist, But there's no like underlying reason that they persist, you know, it's like very, they're not necessary
0: conditions, but they feel like they would have to still be there. They would have to be like, I don't know what would take them out, basically. Yeah, exactly. Unless there's just such, but and I guess, and we're going to come back to this in a few books, but like the concept of competition between humans will always be there.
1: Even if we had a world of abundance. And that's why you need some unit of measurement between all of you. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about uh the other thing i really liked in homo deus was the fact that harari is like too smart to be making predictions yeah right and he was like kind of like flirting with that the entire book where he's like very hesitant to give a like this is how the future will be so he's kind of like covering his ass the whole time too. he walks himself back a lot yeah (laughs) which is nice i liked it yeah yeah kind of the only way to do that book for a smart person yeah you have to be pretty humble yeah you would feel like a malcolm gladwell type otherwise right
0: like too too over. confident yeah over extrapolating from limited data and number of stories yeah all right next one was our first listener q a episode which i don't think we need to summarize too no. much yeah i think you just, should just go listen to yeah, that just go listen to it that was fun though it was fun it was a good episode yeah and it did fairly well so yeah. people seemed to enjoy it and yeah we got to cover a lot of topics flow happiness power future of work uh yeah yeah, we covered and who we are. Oh, yeah. And who we are. We did like some personal background, which we've never really talked about on the show. So <laughs> we'll do that again at some point. Oh, definitely. definitely. Maybe
1: for our Patreon people.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we'll only let Patreon subscribers submit questions. So yeah. be sure you go support us, even if it's just five bucks a month. It's true. That's fair. I mean, do do you like Starbucks? I like Starbucks. Yeah. How much do you normally pay for coffee when you go to Starbucks? Two fifty dollars each, each day, basically. Each day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I'm a mix, right? So sometimes I go in and get like an iced tea, which will be, you know, about $3. Yeah. But I also really like the flat whites and the cold brew. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Yeah. And that ends up being about $5. Yeah. So I think you got to ask yourself, do you get more utility from you know, a Starbucks flat white or from four episodes
1: of made you think. It depends if I've had coffee that day or not. No, I'm oh. just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that, that
0: five bucks a month is, you know, all it takes to support <laughs> yep. your, your favorite podcasters. Definitely. And if we aren't your favorite podcasters, then you probably need to listen to more episodes. Yeah, because <laughs> we will be. We're coming. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Up next. uh, What was it? Oh, yeah. Solitude and Leadership. So this was a speech. Yeah, this is our first speech. Yeah. Which uh, William Derezowitz gave to the graduating class of West Point. West Point. Yeah. And kind of all about the need to spend time on your own, having the freedom to think away from the hustle bustle interruptions surprises whatever of daily life in order to be a successful thinker doer and leader yeah and he's giving it to these military graduates because you know they're all going to go off into these roles being our new military leaders as officers yeah Yeah. exactly is basically telling them like look you need to find time to sit alone and think right because if you don't have that you cannot be an effective leader you can be a really good follower right you can be an excellent sheep but you can't really think for yourself unless you have time alone to digest and process and think right
1: yeah and i i found this speech to be related to amusing ourselves to death in some Mm -hmm. ways as well because he talks about that in the yeah he doesn't necessarily talk about amusing ourselves right doesn't mention the book by name no yeah but but it's, it's a lot of similar ideas where you know, the constant interruptions, the uh, mediums that we use today, especially with like phones and notifications and the internet, right? There's just so many distractions. There's so many ways to not have solitude. Yeah. Now that you really need to force yourself to have solitude. Whereas maybe 200 years ago, right? Like solitude was probably the default and you didn't really need to structure your time to have solitude. No. Because <laughs> like when you were not with other people, there was no other way for people to contact you. <laughs> yeah. So there wasn't like... <laughs> you were just default. <laughs> you were just default. Yeah. yeah. Solitude. Whereas now we live in an era where... And I, I think this is like a, an interesting theme of just like life now is there's so many differences between our reality and our biology, right? That like you, you have to construct your life in a way that's more in line with your biology yeah it takes deliberate effort yeah it takes deliberate effort you can't just go with the default whereas historically you know you're probably eating paleo because that's the only thing that was, <laughs> that was available exactly <laughs> you didn't like read a bunch of blog posts right. first <laughs> yeah just, that's what <laughs> just like have. that's the only food i have right? right whereas now if you go by availability you're just gonna be eating like sugar all day yeah <laughs> sugar and potato chips yeah exactly yeah. so um, Donald's, which can be good here and there but just not don't, don't make that your daily diet, that's for sure. Yeah, at 2 a.m. it's wonderful. <laughs> but. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I found that like that's another thing with solitude that you just kind of have to think about it in a similar way as you would think about your diet. Yeah. At least I found thinking about it that way is uh, is just like a helpful way to to construct your life.
0: Uh, agreed. So, so next ooh. we had... The behemoth. The behemoth. <laughs> Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. The fifth or sixth longest book in a Latin-based language. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's a lot. But, you know, it's a book that's had a big impact on a lot of people. I think yeah. in both of our lives, on both of us. I read it sophomore year of high school, I want to say. I read it sophomore year of college. Yeah. But it was pretty influential. You know, it was very paradigm shifting, I think. Yeah. You know, for for me... I grew up in a very, very liberal household. And it was the first thing I ever read that made a compelling case for fiscal conservatism, I think. Mm. And that led me down a path of just getting more interested in philosophy and economics and all of that. And, you know, obviously I, I got like very obsessed with it for a while in an unhealthy way, but I think that was good for getting me interested in expanding beyond it and reading more things past it and developing an interest in
1: philosophy and, you know, different political philosophy well it's definitely a very seductive book right in the sense that like it's very inspiring in some ways because you see these great people accomplishing great things and fighting against effectively like the evil of indifference basically or you know just like they're just like alive It's very like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. And then being very successful because of it. Well, there's definitely an appeal to that when you're young, for sure. But even as you get older, like reading this a second time, right? Like there's a level of inspiration in this book. And I found that um, the other thing with this book that's pretty interesting is just how um, it makes you respect entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. in a way that like no other book I've ever read has. And that's also very, you know, seductive, I would say to make you really believe that like the entrepreneur solo is like the person who makes everything go. And I think on the first time I read it, I believe that wholeheartedly. Like the second time I read it, I've actually like done some things in in entrepreneurship, I would say. So I know that that's not necessarily fully true. Like nobody does anything 100% on their own. Yeah. But that said, there's still a spark, a, a, like a kernel of truth in what she's talking about in this book where it has to start with the entrepreneur. Like, you know, like, you can't have that happen with, like, a big team. Like, the big team right. is not going to come up with a cool idea that actually does anything. Which is, I think, a big reason why, like, startups have a huge advantage over large companies. It's just, like, you can't have, an, like, an innovative idea by committee. Like, it's just not going to happen. There's no innovation by committee. Yeah. So, I think there is a kernel of truth for sure in this book that was, of course, very seductive when you read it when you're in college or high school. But it's still true even if you read it, like, 10 years later. Yeah. That you still recognize that as, like... Yeah, that is how the world works. And there is also this element
0: to it of you see some of these concerning like fiscal or social trends today. Yep. And, you know, in some ways, kind of like, honestly, uh, Hiroshima Diaries, it's like a good warning or a good
1: thought experiment about what can happen when certain things are taken to their extremes. Right. Right. Well, and it relates to sovereign individual, too, because as we were talking about in that episode, it's increasingly easy to leave wherever you are mm-hmm. um and go listen to the, to the atlas shrugged episode and the sovereign individual, the episode. Sovereign individual episode. because i think
0: for anyone who's very bullish on ubi like this is the biggest criticism that i've taken seriously against it yeah which is that who's gonna pay for it yeah if you tell me i'm gonna have to pay 40 percent income tax to pay for people living in the middle of nowhere to play video games all day i'm just gonna go to singapore right right Like, and it's not that
1: hard for you to do that. No,
0: it's super easy. Yeah. Right. Especially as you have so many like democratized countries around the world and your standard of living isn't really going to change very much. You're going to have the same
1: freedoms. Honestly, if you if you were president of another country, like you can make it your whole strategy to attract Americans. Exactly. No (laughs) income tax for five years for Americans who move here. (laughs) Right. Easy. Easy. Do you know, like people would jump on that like crazy. So like basically all we're trying to say is there is. This book is still relevant, basically. Yeah. And there's a lot of criticism of Ayn Rand on, like, her characters. And I think that there is some truth to that. Like, her characters, they're very flat. They're very flat. I view this book as actually more of, like, a myth in the same way, like, a lot of the religious stories are. Yeah. In that, like, they're not meant to be great like stories of like character development. It's not meant to be amazing fiction. Yeah, it's more of a fable. Like it's to show you something and teach you a lesson. Right. It's not to be like this great piece of literature. And I think it does that very well. It's still an entertaining story.
0: Yeah, good. Kind of like thriller almost. Yeah. All right. Up next was The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. This is fun. It's also one of the shorter books. Yeah, one of the shorter books. Wonderful book on strategy, military tactics, sword fighting. And then also... As it applies to life. Yeah. Right. And I think the a lot of the biggest stuff in it was just these ideas around taking how you train, right, for fighting and applying it to your broader philosophy of living. Right. Right. He's got these ideas that you shouldn't favor one weapon over any others. You should be able to use all weapons. And as soon as you favor a certain weapon, that becomes a weakness. Right. Or right? you need to have this kind of like balance. Or that means you have a weakness. Yeah, it means you have a weakness. Exactly. Once you have a favorite. Right. That means you have something that's not your favorite. So always looking for ways to sort of round out your skill set, right, become more
1: developed. In an interesting way, I found this similar to um, Inner Game of Tennis, where it's like, yeah, that book is about tennis in some ways, but it's also not. Yeah. And this book is about being a samurai or a sword fighter, but But it's it's also also not. not. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot to take away from this. It's also an interesting book to read multiple times Mm -hmm. because I've read it now, I think, second or third time now and i feel like i got more each time. Yeah, or you get different things each time too. Cuz the first time i was a little taken aback by all this like direct sword fighting advice, but then when you dig deeper it's not all about sword fighting. Right. It just sounds like it's about sword fighting. So, I'll, yeah, the second time you read it it's like a lot easier to step back and be like, "Oh, that actually applies to everything." Yeah. Or to life or how to think. Pull more out of it. Yeah. You can think about it a bit more deeply. Yeah, i mean i, I just like the philosophy that he espoused. In this book of just yeah, like one of the things you said was uh not having a favorite weapon. I thought that was really interesting, even just if we think about our own things, right? If I say like, oh, I really like sales, that means oh, I probably don't like managing or I don't like marketing, or you I don't have a like- favorite weapon. Right, exactly. So it means it's it's a good reminder to round out yourself. And it applies to everything too. It's even like, you know, just uh in interpersonal relationships or honestly, even like types of music and stuff. Like we have favorites, but like it's very easy to just be like, Oh, I don't like that genre. But you might not have explored that genre at all. Like, I always used yeah. to say I don't like classical music. Then, like, one of my friends introduced me to, cl- like, just so they, they, like, made me a playlist on, for, on Spotify. And I was like, oh, there's actually some really mm, good classical good. music. It's probably I heard one classical song when I was in, like, sixth grade and was like, I don't like classical music. Yeah. And then it's a self-reinforcing thing where I just, like, always would repeat that and then believe that. Right. But, yeah, just, like, being being more open to rounding out your skill set or whatever you're doing. You're yeah, Just not closing yourself off to those things. And if you enjoy the episodes on Way of
0: Zen or yes. um, if you like the Buddhism themes, right. Right, there's a lot of that in
1: there. So he's like sword fighter and Buddhist master. Did you make any progress on Musashi? No, I'm still
0: not. at 50%.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful book. But I was going to ask you how it is, if it's relevant to
0: this at all. But yeah, very few books get finished if they're not on the major thing <laughs> queue these days. So. But yeah, so next up was The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, which was a fun counterweight to Atlas Shrugged.
1: Fun is a stretch. Okay, yeah. <laughs> not not
0: fun. Not <laughs> not not a fun book. Very depressing nasty at parts disgusting nasty harsh book
1: but a good counterpoint
0: nonetheless to yeah, yeah to atlas <laughs> honestly i mean I, I thought the the slaughterhouse parts of it were more interesting Definitely. compelling than the socialism parts socialist stuff felt really
1: forced yeah right especially the last like third of the book yeah it was it's tough, just yeah. really like propaganda-y I mean it's funny how he the author himself at like later on kind of recounted yeah. or yeah, recounted yeah. It. he said i would not have written it that way Because he basically, it seemed like a socialist like pamphlet stapled onto the back of the book. The back of the book. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was an interesting counterpoint of uh, like the unchecked capitalism. You know, I think you brought up a good point in that episode, which I've been thinking about a lot since, which is like the difference between like anarchy versus libertarianism. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think like the libertarianism side, it's like you still protect like life and property. And I would argue a lot of the practices shown in this book were like, not protecting life or property yeah right so like working in these conditions where you could fall into like a meat grinder or something right and <laughs> you're a child turn into sausage yeah, get right? turned into sausage or like the people who got duped for the mortgage, right right like things like that I feel like before reading this and before that discussion, more of the discussion less the book, I would have thought that oh that's like what libertarianism is talking about, right is like this is fine, right and this is just like part of the unintended consequences right that can happen. But I think you brought up a really good point on that episode, which was that's anarchy. Yeah. What libertarianism would say is like, you got to protect life and property and then the rest is, you know, fair game. But those two conditions have to be met.
0: Right. And to a certain
1: extent, I think, preventing predatory behavior, right? Well, like the mortgage thing was a great example where they signed, you know, they were not given all the terms of the mortgage when they signed the contract. Right. They were told later of all the terms, which is like. Yeah, pretty fucked up. Yeah, that's fraud, basically, right? And yeah. uh, I, I think that it just it was that discussion in particular was really helpful for me to to separate these things in my mind, right? Of the the two different, like anarchism is a totally different thing than libertarianism. Yeah.
0: When it's easy to read books like The Jungle and say like, "Oh, capitalism is terrible," right? right? We need to throw it out. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, like back up, right? Capitalism has done the most, I think, for you know, like human progress of any. Economic philosophy yep. ever, right? But there are potential downsides if it's unchecked. Right? It always
1: reminds me of uh, Churchill's quote about democracy. It's yeah, like, democracy is the worst political system except for all the others. Except for all the <laughs> others, <laughs> like it yeah. sucks, But all the other ones are even worse. That's so got. I mean, I think about that for capitalism all the time. There's horrible things, horrible consequences of capitalism. Yeah, but like, what else are you going to do? It's better than socialism. Yeah, it's way better than socialism. Better than communist Russia. It's funny when you give that argument though to somebody who is like in favor of that that argument doesn't work yeah they're like oh no man it was just done properly
0: it would have been fine i i saw the i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before but i saw the best response to that ever which was that somebody said something about like how terrible socialism was on twitter And somebody else responded with that typical thing like, oh, well, it just hasn't been implemented properly, right? And someone else responded being like, wow, so it implemented improperly, killed 60 million people. I can't imagine what a full implementation would do. (laughs) Was it You told me about the meme, like the guy looking back. Yeah, the guy looking
1: back. But then there were like 40 examples.
0: So it's the meme with the guy looking back at another girl with his girlfriend. He's looking, the girl he's looking back at says like fictional socialist utopia. Yep. And then the girlfriend is like copy and pasted 40 times and says like (laughs) Venezuela, (laughs) Colombia, Russia, China, like Vietnam, North Korea, North Korea, (laughs) all of them right
1: in a row. It's like it doesn't work. Get over it. I mean, I would honestly argue like the cynical side of this like North Korea, U.S. peace stuff is so that North Korea can join the capitalist system. I would say that's probably why the North Korean leader is... Doing this, oh, because he's pretty much isolated. He's sanctioned by everybody right now. He can't can't do captain. Yeah, he can't do anything. Can't do any business with anybody, right? And I would argue they've probably like. I mean, this guy was educated in Europe. Like I would say, he's probably not as married to the socialist communist system it's probably like all right this is probably what i need to do so we can start trading with people again probably time to wind this down yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean china has done that yeah i mean think about it like now would not have done what they're doing today this thing
0: china pretends to be communist but it's only communist in like governmental control of its citizens it's very capitalist economically right
1: i mean it's government protected for sure but there's it's definitely not communist no no yeah so all right, the next one. Elephant of the Brain. This one's fun. I
0: love this book. This is a great book. Uh, surprisingly, doesn't seem to have sold that well. Really? There's only 40 reviews on Amazon. What? It's been out for a while. Yeah, I was surprised. I would not have expected that. I just noticed it earlier today. Huh. But wonderful book, really just all about this kind of like hidden motives in everyday life, right? Which is the subtitle for the book. Yeah. That we have these secret motivations for doing things that we don't like to talk about because they're ugly. And we focus more on the pretty reasons we do things, right?
1: Yeah. And, and well, it's also, I would say the other thing is it's about um, how we hide our motives from ourselves. And the the this was like the kicker for me is that there is an evolutionary reason for doing that. Right. It makes it easier for us to deceive other people if we can deceive ourselves first. Right.
0: Which is kind of, creepy and cool which is creepy scary and exciting all at yeah, the same super time. fascinating yeah. <laughs> but just the way the book breaks down all these different things like laughter politics education art wealth right it's like explaining the hidden motives
1: to all of this that we don't like to talk about but that make perfect sense once yeah. you dig into them
0: really cool book in
1: some ways it reminded me of uh when you were saying that i was just like oh that kind of reminds me of Freakonomics in some ways but good yes no but also like with the like they were very good about using data in their book. Yeah. Right. Like, So let's say like healthcare was a really good example about like is a lot of our healthcare spending effectively kissing the boo-boo. Right. Type of behavior, right? For elephants in the brain. An used... elephant in the brain. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah. No. So like it, it was interesting in that like they were showing these behaviors and backing them up with data and then showing how like the data really showed how we are misleading ourselves with our own motives. Right. Well, that also was nice is that it had data, but it also had... Sensible explanations.: I like how they broke it up, too, right One half and then the other half, which the first half was basically first principles.: Yeah of this and the evolutionary basis for it, and then the second half was the specific examples. I thought that was a really clever way of doing it. Was it was a good way to do it. Instead of trying to intersperse it throughout, like that would have been
0: harder. And you got the concepts way better seeing them split up like that. Yeah, definitely. It's like, all right, here's the general understanding. And then here it is applied to all these areas to help you understand it even better. Right. So I love that. That one was fun. That was a fun. I one. think about that one a lot since reading it. Same. I see a lot of stuff. And then I feel kind of shitty for <laughs> seeing it. Right. Where even even when I'm talking in a group, I'm like, oh, I'm just talking to show that I'm useful to these friends. Right. <laughs> Which is like a little depressing, but it's also
1: an interesting perspective to have. Yeah. It's also one of those things, uh, my other takeaway from it was not to think too much, right, about your own your own motives for stuff. Because I think that was like something we were talking about for like meditation or like related to meditation in some way yeah. of like how it's probably, we've evolved this behavior for a reason. Like there's probably a survival advantage to it to not being as introspective as we could be. Right. So it's almost might be dangerous to get too introspective. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Right. It's like you probably wouldn't if you felt like a dick for the way you were acting, even though the way you were acting was totally fine, like if you were being useful to your group. Socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah. like there's probably an advantage to doing that and there's probably nothing wrong with that. But then you might feel like a dick for doing that so you just wouldn't participate and then people think you're a weirdo for not participating in the group. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Second order effects
0: of knowing it are not necessarily beneficial so you can like recognize but you shouldn't necessarily change your behavior.
1: That's what I mean, yeah. But it's still a really fascinating read. Like I would highly recommend this book to it, everybody oh agreed and then last but certainly not least most recently
0: we have our deep dive into the college dropout by kanye west that was fun that was a fun that episode. was so much fun i was so glad we did that <laughs> that was a great <laughs> idea I, I can't wait till the next album that we do i know we well, will have to do another one uh yeah i mean what do we say about this as a recap Maybe we'll do them every like 10 or so or yeah we can do every like 10, to 10 as a recap i don't know just um Genius is really cool. Genius is a really cool tool. So, the genius tool was super useful for digging into some of the lyrics. Yeah. I think that the like digging into Kanye's perspective on like black culture and him growing up kind of poor and making it big was really interesting to see through the lens of the stories he's telling in the album. His view on college was really interesting. Yeah. The view on college and education, the view on work, right? And like hustle and getting out of those bad situations that you know a lot of people could be born into it was cool to dig into the
1: album right it's also cool to see just like the level and the layers of genius in this right of just like again you brought up the point of the episode which was like it's hard to know how many of those things are us looking at it and pulling out meaning right versus what the uh artist intended right right and like it's hard to know where that line is but that said the the like layers of meaning in this in this album were just incredible like there was yeah. that one where um blanking on the exact one there was definitely one we talked about on the episode right like where we were talking about the layers of meaning and then you were like oh well, who knows if this is just us oh yeah it was like the looking down from the high top right like yes it was in jesus walks yeah jesus walks yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was just still that said it was it was really interesting to um there were definitely a lot of layers he did intend yeah. in the album. And it's just so thoughtfully constructed. It's a piece of art. It's
0: beautiful poetry. Yeah. So that was just fun to dig into. And I think even if you don't like rap, yes. go listen to the episode. I think it will make you consider liking rap a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And, um, it might also make, change your interpretation of Kanye's behavior a little bit. That too. Yeah. You yeah. talked a lot about him as a brilliant marketer, like an anti strategist.
1: And it seemed like he understood it at that time. Yeah. Oh, most certainly. Yeah. So, and if anything, that's been more reinforced as he's gotten older. Exactly. He's gotten better and better at it. as yeah. He's gone on <laughs> and gotten more power to do those kinds of things. Yeah. So, definitely, I would, like, even if you just heard his name in the news or something or on Twitter, like, just check it out. Check it out. Yeah. Listen to the episode and listen to the album. Yeah. Give it a shot maybe simultaneously because we go through track by track yeah you could listen to the track listen to the episode yeah pause switch back and forth that'd be cool to do it we considered including clips and then we decided it's not worth the- too risky yeah yeah it's not worth getting sued you, you guys aren't supporting us that much on patreon exactly mm-hmm. it'd be cool to get an email from him though
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: that'd be cool <laughs> well he is reading some of the same stuff we are it's true he read 12 rules for life yeah or maybe maybe he just read my summary that would be awesome that'd be Ash. cool <laughs> <laughs> if you get like a comment on me or something like if he shares it on twitter there we go (laughs) my site will melt (laughs) all right all right and i guess that concludes our second recap
0: yep that is the end of recap number two it was fun yeah i like these episodes yeah second of many Second of many, yeah. So <laughs> I guess every 20 episodes or so. Yeah, I think every 20 or so seems to work out because, yeah, 20 episodes, five minutes per 100 minutes, it's about right. We're always going to go over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that works out. If you would like notes from our normal episodes, are very highlighted, detailed, annotated notes from each book that we use to plan the show. Uh, and we don't get to most of the notes, actually, on the yeah. episode because we have to jump around a lot. We don't have time to dig into all of our notes. And
1: we, we let it flow organically, too. Yeah. We just sort of go where the conversation goes. Exactly. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll pull up different notes depending on what some what one of us is saying. Uh, but yes, there's a lot more notes that we don't get to in the show. That is in the Patreon. We've also got a lot of other wonderful goodies up there for you. So you can go to patreon.com slash made you think all one word, no hyphens or anything. Yep. Uh, you can also just go to magethingpodcast.com slash support yep. and you'll find a link to it there as well as a link to some of our wonderful sponsors Yeah. who we didn't talk about too much this time. But if we're going to call one out, I will mention that Perfect Keto. So perfectketo.com slash think has this nut butter.
1: It's so good.
0: It is one of the most wonderful things I think I've ever like put in my mouth. My first comment was
1: Hold on. I was actually, you know, I'm not going to make that joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I
0: saw the, the,
2: the double
1: take on your face. <laughs> Go on. I'm just going to skip it right now. No, I, my first comment with the nut butter was it's frosting. Yeah. Like the texture is incredible. The taste is incredible. Amazing taste. And it's good for you. Really good for you. (laughs) It's just
0: like all nuts and MCT oil and a little bit of coconut. It's It's what, macadamia, cashew. Macadamia, cashew, MCT, coconut. coconut. Those the main ingredients. A little bit of vanilla for flavoring. And sea salt. That's it. Yeah, and sea salt. Those are the only things in there. No real sugar, any of it. Uh, I will say you should refrigerate it. Okay. So if you get it room temperature, it's kind of liquidy. Uh, which is a little weird if you're used to having, you know, peanut butter. Right. So refrigerate it and then it's a perfect consistency.
1: Yeah, it was perfect when yeah. I just
0: tried it. Super good. So check that out. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. Also, the, the Four Sigmatic Lemonade. Oh, I still haven't tried that. Oh, I got to make you some. Okay. Well, we'll make some next time. But yeah, so it's a jet black lemonade because okay. it's got activated charcoal along with chaga mushroom. It's delicious. I've seen the ad on Instagram. Yeah. A bunch, but I just haven't
1: actually tried it yet. That one's really good. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I mean, most importantly, check out the Patreon. Help support the show. We really appreciate it. We're going to be adding more bonuses and stuff there. But, you know, for right now, you'll be able to talk with us about any of the shows, get our detailed show notes, find out about upcoming books as soon as we decide on them, uh, and other little goodies we'll be adding in there as we go. So check it out. There's going
1: to be some cool stuff. And we will definitely appreciate your support. We do. Helps keep this show going. And of course, if you want to ever reach out to us, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Twitter is probably the best place. Definitely the best place. Yeah, an email will sit in my inbox for a week.
0: I know I'm way slower on email than on Twitter. Twitter, it'll I'll like respond to you before you hit send and just like <laughs> very fast. <Yeah. laughs> You're thinking of the question and that will respond. Yeah, I'm already thinking of it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm tuned in. Yeah. So I'm at
1: Natty Eliason, N A T E L I A S O N. I'm at the rail Neil S. And uh, I guess you can also reach out to us an email, but you'll have to dig to find our emails it's and true. we might not get back to you as fast. might not get
0: back to you. So just do Twitter. It's going to be easier for everyone. Twitter's the best. Uh, you should definitely leave a review if you're enjoying the show. Yeah. Check us out on iTunes. It's probably the best place to leave a review. Are there other places people can leave a You review? can leave it on Stitcher and stuff, but honestly, I don't know if anyone checks those. Yeah. Yeah. The, the big place people look for booking guests and stuff is iTunes. Yeah. So you can definitely leave it on iTunes. Then. Exactly. Yeah. Leave us some iTunes reviews so we can get like Jordan Peterson and Nassim Taleb and all those people that you want us to have on because yeah. they won't take us seriously until we get above a certain threshold.
1: So yeah. help us out. And well, speaking of that, I, I requested Harari for our episode. Oh, yeah. And the only thing that happened, nobody ever got back to me except now I'm on his email list. <laughs> that's the only thing that happened that I've noticed recently the last like two weeks I've been getting his emails and I'm like oh, somebody just manually added yeah exactly he's got a Zapier <laughs> there thing there is a
0: checkbox that said like opt me in and I didn't opt in huh but- uh. He's breaking can spam. Yeah, I guess. Report him. The only way to not get reported by a Ferrari is to come on the show. Exactly.
1: (laughs) This is our not so subtle (laughs) blackmail. It's very scary. I know.
2: (laughs) All right.
1: Easy resolution. But yeah, you should leave a review so we can get some cool guests. And I'm sure you guys are all looking forward to the Taleb Made You Think episode. That'd be fun. Where he actually comes on and trashes our interpretations of his book. We'll get Taleb and Peterson on for one episode.
0: (laughs) That would be an adventure. And just like we would just sit back. I don't know what would happen uh, and Kanye. Just <laughs> let the three of them just do their thing. We don't have to do anything. Just put the mics in,
1: like go for a walk for three hours. I would just love to get Taleb on the on the show and just get him drunk and just see how like he progresses. Yeah. With the like insults. I want
0: to get like lav mics and go out <laughs> drinking
1: with Taleb and like try to get in a bar fight or something. Go into a cab.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Uh and then I guess uh, keep telling your friends because yeah, that, keep that your is friends. the number one way people hear about made you think.
0: It is. So we appreciate all of the the word of mouth referrals. Uh, appreciate the shares on Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere. Yep. So let your friends know. Hit us up on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. And we will see you next week. Yeah. See you guys next time. All right. Have a good one.